0: Welcome to the Tennessee Valley Football Podcast. My name is Clint Guffey,
1: and I'm Nathan McLaughlin.
0: We're just a, a couple of local college kids from the Huntsville metropolitan area, uh, talking about high school, NFL, and college football, and our expertise opinions, <laughs> quote unquote expertise.
1: I'm just talking about all of it. I right. mean, it's um, it's kind of nice to you know just have an outlet to, to you know kind of discuss football as fans and and as people that just kind of love the game of football just watch it all the time and you know there's not there there's a lot of people that really like football and know a lot of stuff and then there's a lot of people that only like Alabama or only like Auburn or only like the high school team that they cheer or for or
0: you also get a lot of people that don't like the NFL as well.
1: Yep, absolutely. So we so we just kind of cover um, all three of it. Oh, I know this on first episode, we don't have much high school to talk about. The high school season's been over for about, you know, over a month now. Um, but we've got a lot of college and a lot of NFL news to talk about, a whole lot of it.
0: So what's your first take on uh, Bama, Bama getting pummeled uh, by good old Dabo?
1: Yeah. So Bama just got – they got beat up.
0: Very uncharacteristic-like. Like I mean – that is the worst beating Saban's ever taken at Alabama. At
1: Alabama, yeah. I mean, Alabama's never lost a game by more than 14 points under Nick Saban. And the last
0: team to do that to Alabama was Nick Saban at LSU.
1: Yep. And, um, you know, they just got pummeled. I mean, it just – it looked bad from the first place because before the game, the the thing that I was really scared about was I was like, you know, the one thing that Tua has not done well with – and, you know, by the way – Jalen Hurts going into that game wouldn't have solved anything. They were going to get trounced regardless. It was They were not winning the battle up front against four first-round talents. I mean, well, I say four first-round talents. Dexter Lawrence wasn't in the game, but, I mean, there's three genuine first-round draft picks on that defensive line. And Brent Venables likes to blitz a lot. So the one thing that I was really worried about was Tua getting blitzed and getting pressured. And he got pressured a lot in the game. And then, you know, midway through the game you had a bunch of Alabama fans saying, well, they need to go to Jalen because Tua sucks. And (laughs) it's it's like, I mean, you know, Tua only scored 48 total touchdowns this year and had over 4,000 total yards, like, unheard of at Alabama. And, you know, now you're going to say he sucks just because he's having one bad game. Not to mention
0: he was getting hit in the mouth a lot. A lot. That team just – I did not see the urgency.
1: I mean, there was – Like, if if Deontay Brown was in at left guard, it probably would have made a tiny bit of difference. They were still probably going to get whooped up front all night long regardless. But, I mean, with Lester Cotton in there, it's not necessarily a shot because, I mean, you know, anybody that plays at Alabama is pretty good. But Lester Cotton is not a very good offensive lineman compared to the other four that were on that team. And, you know, Piers Baker can only do so much without – I mean, they're having to help Lester Cotton out, you know, this was the kind of the thing that they were talking about throughout the year is that, you know, Cornbread Brown went in and they were just moving the ball left and right. Well, when Cornbread Brown was out and, like, you know, Lester Cotton was having to come in, you know, they were having to help Lester Cotton out because he was not getting any push in the run game. You know, Jonah Williams would either have to help him out or Ross Baker would have to help him out or, you know, whatever. You know, and Alex Leatherwood and, you know, Jedrick Wills will probably be a guy that will probably go in the first round here in a year or two. I think Jedrick Wills is a pretty good guy, even though he was jumping – you know, he was false starting left and right in the playoffs, but he's a good talent. And Jonah Williams deserves to go in the first round. He has been a stalwart – one of my favorite offensive linemen in the Saban era is definitely Jonah Williams.
0: I don't – I mean, even Trevor Lawrence, if he was getting pressured like that, or even Tom Brady, uh, if you're getting hit a lot and you're getting pressured, like the – doesn't matter who's in your face and there was somebody blitzing it seemed like every play you're gonna play play. differently i mean even philip rivers is not gonna it's it's gonna affect you and uh, i think they called it a dog blitz it's whenever like when bama would motion out a receiver that guy that was supposed to be covering him would stay and he would blitz off that motion and uh, i think whenever Tua got hit real low i think that was one of those dog blitzes because the receiver motioned out, and then that and Tua never saw the dude get hit.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was just – it was just an all-around, not a very good offensive effort. And then the defense, you know – I just don't think it was a very good coaching plan going into it. The defense, and that's the big thing that we've been talking about, that I – you know, like I told you about yesterday. I had just found out yesterday, and, you know, if anybody's listening and if they, you know, kind of, you, you know, knew this – I just found out yesterday that apparently Tosh Lapoy was not even calling the defense uh, like halfway through the season he got it taken away from him and was pretty much fully replaced by Pete Golding as the defensive play caller. Now that's because and I had concerns about Lapoy. Not I I was ecstatic about Lapoy being promoted because I like Lapoy as a coach. He's a good recruiter, right? And he's a I mean he's an ace recruiter, but I was worried about it when Saban and Lepoy both came out and said, he doesn't know that much about the secondary. Like, he he's not as good on all positional levels of the defense. And I was like, and you got this guy trying to call a defense – you know, so that's why they hired Pete Golding away from uh, Texas San Antonio in the first place, because Pete Golding was the defensive coordinator there, and they had like a top five or top ten defense. And I don't know if you remember, but last year's draft, the Saints drafted Marcus Davenport, who was a defensive end from uh, UTSA. That was he wasn't coached up by Pete Golding necessarily, because Pete Golding was a safeties coach and defensive coordinator. But like, you know, he's part of Pete Golding's defense, and he gets drafted in the first round out of Texas San Antonio. I mean, really. You know, uh, so he's an outstanding, like, fast riser in the defensive ranks. But if he really was calling the defense that second half of the year, I'll tell you this much. uh, It doesn't matter who was calling that defense. Had Quinn and Williams not been on that team, that would not have been a top 15 defense. That would have been a – Defense in the 40s or 50s at and that best. was Yeah,
0: and that was the worst defense savings. Other than probably the 7-6 and six team, which was not a product of savings. Yeah, that was, that pretty was, much
1: not. That was the leftover and from Shula. And not to mention that's Kevin Steele as defensive coordinator that first – you know, I think that first season was Kevin Steele. And then I think the second year, Kirby Smart and Kevin Steele were like co-defensive coordinators. And by 2009, Kevin Steele was just out of town because – Kevin Steele has had this, like, resurgence or whatever with Auburn, but he's never been just a great defensive coordinator. He's always been steady, too good, but he has never been great. And then all of a sudden at Auburn he became great. But then they took a step back this year because they're, like, 45th in total defense here at the end of the year. So, you know, but other than that, yeah, this was not a good defense. They were just positionally were out. And you could tell it from the Louisville game. The Louisville game, yeah, Louisville only scored 14 points and didn't really perform very well. But how many times during that game was the running back left wide open with nobody within 20 yards? Well,
0: see, I didn't get to watch that game. That was whenever I was on my surfing trip.
1: Uh, That's right. The running back was wide open during that game probably five or six times and nobody within 20 yards. And whatever his name is, Jawan Pass would, like, toss the ball to him and he would just – go for twenty yards because nobody would be around him. That's why Jawan Pass had like two hundred and sixty passing yards against us, but they didn't run the ball at all.
0: See, the thing that I always like uh back up a second, like, uh where for the for the listeners, where did you hear that uh when Tosh the boy got stripped of his duties?
1: So it was on an article by AL dot com. I don't know I don't remember who the uh article's uh writer was. It might have been Michael Casagrande or somebody uh but uh, apparently it was just a report. It was a report that was coming out from multiple sources that said that Lapoy had already been relieved of play calling duties, and he was still heavily involved in defensive game planning. But the calling plays had been shifted to Pete Golding definitely by the playoffs. But some people say that as soon as October, uh, Pete Golding was calling the defense.
0: See, and like the the Missouri game, the they play, defense, I think, picked up the slack because I think that was when Tua first got hurt, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that was when – yeah, that was I think when Tua was – we started thinking he might be, you know – a little bit more banged up than we than we realized. And the
0: defense stepped up. It like, because Missouri had a pretty good offense, and Saban was—I mean, they gave up ten points, but
1: yeah, Derek Dooley surprised a lot of people. He was a he was a great offensive coordinator this year for Missouri. You know, just because he wasn't a good def- Tennessee head coach doesn't mean that he's not a good coach. Some guys
0: are just not meant to be head coaches, yeah,
1: exactly. And I think he was also just kind of thrust into a situation at Tennessee that was kind of a no win because Lane Kiffin had just left and they just kind of needed somebody. But he performed well at Missouri this year. And uh, but you're right. I mean, the defense kind of picked up the slack in that game. They and they did
0: in November too, with uh, when we played Mississippi State and LSU. Yeah,
1: absolutely, definitely against Mississippi State, LSU, LSU. We were still pretty much moving the ball. We were, um, but I mean, the defense obviously shut them out. You know, because I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, Joe Burrow is not that great of a quarterback. He's no better than Mettenberger, or you know. Any graduate transfer that they've gotten in there that's no just way. kind of performed average. Was, they talked Joe <clears throat> Burrow up like he was, he had just lost a job at Ohio State, but he could start anywhere in the country. And that's just not true. Joe Burrow is a Danny Etling. He's a Danny Etling, probably with a little more fortitude, a little less mobility, but a little better uh, arm strength. But. It's another Danny Etling clone. I mean, you know, Danny Etling was terrible at Purdue, and then all of a sudden he went to LSU and everybody thought he was going to be something great, and he just wasn't. I don't understand why LSU – excuse me,
0: LSU doesn't have always a better quarterback. I mean, I don't know if it's just because they recruit only in the state of LSU, it seems like.
1: Um, I don't know. I think they, they try to. You know, like they r- recruited some four-star quarterbacks or whatever, like uh, Lowell Narcisse. That just well, I mean, left. they
0: recruited. What, is it Tal- Talia? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah,
1: Talia. Talia. Um, they they really recruited him, and everybody thought they tried he not. to, but you know, like it's like Tua uh, said earlier this year. I think Galu, the dad, he makes the decisions in the family because that's kind of their Samoan heritage. They, you know, is from a top-down like the the man of the family kind of makes their decisions for him. So, I think he is the one that probably made the decisions for him. Um, So, there's probably no real threat of Talia leaving. But, you know, you never know. I mean, there could have been a possibility. Uh, So, you know, I mean, they're going to go after him and recruit him, obviously, because it's the Hawaiian punch effect, you know. Mm -hmm. you got all these great Hawaiian quarterbacks that are coming out. You have Marcus Mariota, and now you've got uh, Tua you got Tua, you've got his younger brother, which now do we know if he's going to be a great college quarterback? We don't, but, you know. Well, it's that a Ole very, Miss quarterback very is very possible. The uh, Tam Jordan Tamu. Yeah, he's uh, from Hawaii. And then uh, Mackenzie yeah, Milton from UCF is from Hawaii as well. They've, they've got a lot of great quarterbacks coming out of that state. But they kind of, you know, it used to be that it was the Hawaii College because, that was producing great quarterbacks because June Jones used to be there, and they ran the run-and-shoot offense, and they'd have, like, Colt Brennan throwing yep. for 58 touchdowns in a year. <laughs> um, and then they had a guy before him named Timmy Chang that threw for a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards, and he started for, like, three or four years there and just became a prolific it's passer. You like Colt
0: Brennan played there for
1: – like he just,
0: like, st- graduated in, like, 2000s, <laughs> 2000s,
1: uh thirteen. yeah. Kind of like Hunter Renfro. Yeah, yeah, he was he was there for a while. I know he was like a th- at least a three year starter, uh, 05 through 07, yeah. I think he started, but they were doing great in 07, and then they just hit a brick wall against Georgia. I think in the Sugar Bowl, you know, yeah, or something like that. But um,
0: they really never recovered from. I mean, they haven't been like. I could be completely wrong, but, I mean, you don't see them talked about as much. Yeah, they, ever.
1: they never really fully recovered from that one because June Jones left after 07 and went to SMU, um, and they just kind of, kind of fell off the map since then. They've got a guy named Nick Rolovich there now that let them – I think he's led them to two bowl games in the past three years, which is pretty good for them considering they were pretty much in the tank. But, um, yeah, I think – they're, I think they're kind of picking back up because they've started running that kind of run-and-shoot offense again because that's just what Hawaii's known for. And they've got a guy there, Cole McDonald, that nobody talks about that threw for a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards this year. I mean, he had, oh, I think, over 40 total touchdowns, really? uh, over 4,000 total yards of offense, kind of like Tua. I mean, he he was prolific, you know, especially there early on in the year. He had like seven touchdowns in a game, I believe, and you know he's a pretty good one but he he got hurt a lot towards the end of the year and they just kind of fell off the map but um cole mcdonald is a guy to really watch out for because i really think that you know he's going to tear up the stat sheet if he can stay healthy because towards the end of the year is when he started is he a native i i'm not too sure to be honest i don't know if he's from california or if he's from hawaii um He's one of the two. I don't think he's from anywhere else. Well see the the reason
0: I ask is it's almost seems like the Hawaiian quarterbacks can't stay healthy.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of odd. Uh but I, mean, I think it's also just because, you know, they just throw I mean I don't I mean I understand, you know, it's probably the you know, the two effect or whatever, well,
0: but Well not yeah. even the two effect. Uh talking about Mariota in the league, like it seems like he I mean Yeah, you know, um And hey, that's not a knock at two or anybody from Hawaii. I mean I'm just saying. Yeah,
1: maybe it's just a luck thing because I know Mackenzie Milton was just a that freak was, yeah, accident. Yeah, you can't
0: do anything about that. I mean, he's, Tomu, I don't think he got hurt this and year. And
1: Tomu, I don't think he's even been hurt. Like, uh, but he's a physical specimen. He's, he is. He's a big dude, and that's what people were talking about. They were, when Shea Patterson got hurt that one year, and Tomu took over. Yeah, he lit it up. Tomu is a better quarterback than Patterson is, in my opinion. Now. You might not have Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay saying that, but I'm saying it because Shea Patterson, I I think, is highly overrated. He was the he was a five star, like one of the top two quarterbacks in the nation. I think he was the top quarterback in the nation when he uh, committed to Ole Miss, and he's not that good. I mean, he's just not. You know, Mike Winchell. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he actually just – I think he only wears two at uh, Michigan now. He doesn't wear 20 anymore like he did at Ole Miss. You know, I mean, but.
0: You know and, and for the people that don't get that
1: inside joke, in Friday Night
0: Lots, you know, Mike Winchell wore number 20 and, and yeah. Shea Patterson Quarterback wore Quarterback number 20. He wore 20 at Ole Miss. Uh, but uh, moving on to that, uh, who do you think is going to be the OC and DC in next year at Bama?
1: That's a tough question. And it's a tough question because – I can come i don't I don't know who's gonna be, but I can come up with a list of who I'd like to see uh in the uh running for it, and that's what I'm gonna do um as far as defensive coordinator, I'll start off with that um they did make a hire today, and it's not clear what he is going to be the guy I,
0: from per staff
1: the guy from Tennessee Charles Kelly, yeah now if Charles Kelly does become the defensive coordinator, this is not a bad hire. The reason being, he was the defensive coordinator for four seasons at Florida State after Pruitt left. From 2014 to 2017, he was the uh, defensive coordinator at Florida State.
0: And Florida State went to uh, the playoffs that year in 2014.
1: Yeah, in 2014, they went to the playoffs. Now, 2014 was actually his worst defense there. I think they finished 52nd in the nation in total defense. But his defense from 15 to 17 was 24th of – or I think 15 was – they were 15th in the nation. I think they were 29th in 16. And 2017, when they were terrible, and, you know, Bama thrashed them in that first game, and then they end up going 6-6 six six or whatever and going to a bowl game, barely. 2017, they finished, like, 24th in defense, despite the fact that they were a terrible team. And Louisville year. destroyed them. <laughs> exactly.
0: Louis- I mean, that Louisville game probably were- – was it that year that they got? It wasn't. No, oh, it was uh, twenty sixteen. Or
1: no, it might have. I, I know they got destroyed by Louisville one year with I think, Lamar Jackson. I think that was
0: twenty sixteen, the year.
1: Um, but yeah, I, I think, think they did lose. they the lost in twenty seventeen as well. I believe. Yeah, yeah, they did. I just remember Cause they were just not a good team that year. I think
0: it was twenty sixteen, that was last yeah. year. Uh, uh, yeah, I there. think
1: so. But uh, <clears> yeah, um, Charles Kelly would not be a bad hire at all. Now, uh, who do I want to see? Charles Kelly, I wouldn't mind, but who do I want to see? We can pay for anybody we want to, Yeah, and you probably know who my pick is. Yep. My pick is Dave Aranda from LSU. If they can
0: lure him away, that'd be all right.
1: Because Dave Aranda already runs a 3-4 defense. That's his bread and butter. He is the be- probably the best defensive mind in football. I don't care what anybody's saying about Don Brown at Michigan – when you got better players than everybody in your entire conference all year, and yeah, it sounds like a joke because it's like, well, Alabama's got better players, but
0: she's you know, always got the talent. recruiting
1: in the SEC. People do not understand just because Alabama's got better players does not mean that the talent disparity is Alabama way up top, and then the rest of the SEC is just lagging behind. SEC teams, there's normally. 10 of them that finish in the top 25 or 30 in recruiting rankings. Mm-hmm. And usually it's like Vanderbilt and, you know, a few others that just end up kind of lagging behind. South Carolina. Yeah.
0: So I think they had a good recruiting class but this the, year.
1: They've always got – there's always at least five teams in the top 25 mm-hmm. at least. And that's that's really the – the very low end they usually have eight to ten teams in the top 25 in recruiting the big 10 doesn't have anywhere near that so i don't want to hear anything about big 10 being better or anything like that and i don't really care like i've gotten to the point where i'm not worried about you know this conference affiliation like i'm not this big sec fan like i thought i used to be because honestly i don't like most of the sec teams anyway no and
0: and just everybody knows we are bama fans however we were bama fans when mike shula was yeah. coaching and we were getting destroyed I mean, by Tennessee. We were Bama
1: fans when, like, you know, when you know, when we were able to watch when Mike Debose was there, and you know, when Dennis Franchoni came in and you know got us put on probation, and you know Mike Shula came in and they were just terrible. I mean,
0: so the notion that we're fairweather fans or whatever is just not true? Because yeah,
1: because we suffered a lot.
0: I never thought we would see a national championship. I However, never thought it. And also for the record, last year Nathan and I thought that Bama should not have been in the playoffs because we yeah. we sucked it against Auburn. Don't know what was going and uh, like the last several games we were just kind of
1: there, there Like, against Mississippi State. Yeah, it
0: two third you know that touchdown pass to Devontae and
1: well that was uh that was oh, that, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. yeah, that's not
0: to it. My I'm sorry, uh, Jalen. Uh, but uh, we did we thought we were going to get destroyed by Clemson. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Now granted, I'll take a championship any day, but mm. I. Just so it's known, and uh, yeah, so
1: yeah, definitely. So Dave Aranda, you know, would be my choice. Um, And I've already said I wouldn't. I would be fine with Charles Kelly being named defensive coordinator because he's good at his job. Um, Dave Aranda would definitely be my choice, though. Um, I haven't really thought about anybody else besides those two and the only reason i even thought about charles kelly is because the rumors had been linking them two together uh charles kelly coming to alabama ever since t martin got hired back at tennessee because they apparently got 11 on-field coaches and they have to get rid of one yeah they Um,
0: reported some violations the other day because phil former was like helping coach for like 30 seconds of course
1: he was so dave aranda is the guy that they should go get um if Manny Diaz hadn't taken the Miami head coaching job, I would have – or, you know, because he had taken the Temple job and then took weeks. the Miami job. You know, if he hadn't taken any head coaching jobs, he would have been a guy that I would have looked at. I wish
0: we could lure Brent Venables away. Now, Brent
1: Venables, yeah, I thought about that. But the thing is, is Brent Venables, like Dave Aranda used to make a lot. Now Brent Venables makes a lot. Like, he makes more than most head coaches <laughs> yeah, do. But he's not going anywhere. So, he ain't going anywhere. And, and too, you know,
0: he likes – I mean, he's – It's a family up there. Yeah. It's not – he's not going
1: anywhere. And he – you know, I would love to see Venables at Alabama, but it's not going to happen. And I think that uh, at the same time, I don't know if Brent Venables and Nick Saban could coexist very well because – Saban's hard to coach for. Saban is hard to coach for for one, but for two, just defensive scheme – I don't think Saban likes to blitz as much as – because Venables is blitzing like every play.
0: And, too, Bama typically gets pressure with the front four. Or exactly. The, or the front three. And
1: now if you turn around and look at the other end, Aranda, until like this past year, he hardly ever blitzed. He always ran base defense, and they were just whipping everybody. And, I mean, it's not like they just had better players than anybody. Because when he was at Wisconsin, he was doing the same thing. And they had nobodies at Wisconsin. Just a bunch of, like, corn-fed Wisconsin – like, cheese-fed Wisconsin boys that were just, like, <laughs> just whooping everybody. I mean, Aranda – no, like, he, he knows what to do with no talent. So, you know, what does he do with a bunch of five-stars like this guy, like Antonio Alfano that's coming in and all these other guys for Alabama. I mean, Aranda would be a home run hire. I don't – I don't see Alabama going that route because you know the only interesting coordinator hire that they've really made is Lane Kiffin, so I don't see them going that route. I wish they would though because Aranda would be a pipe dream for us. But, um, but if Charles Kelly was named defensive coordinator, I wouldn't bat an eyelash about it because that would be a that'd be a solid hire because Charles Kelly knows what he's doing. I mean, he was on some train wreck football teams and still putting together some great defense um so I, I wouldn't be i have a problem with that so now, switch to the other side of the now ball so we switch to the offensive side of the ball and i'll tell you one thing this rumor about steve sarkeesian <laughs> gonna come back and be named and you know they hired kyle flood who was the atlanta falcons o-line coach used to be the head coach at rutgers you know that's one thing and everybody's saying oh well this points to Steve sarkeesian being the offensive coordinator if he is, there is going to be a riot in Al- in the state of Alabama. Well,
0: Tennessee was going to hire somebody last year, and Tennessee rioted, and they didn't hire him.
1: Yeah, it's Greg Schiano, and they rioted. And, like, two days later, they were like, never mind, we're not hiring <laughs> <Yeah>. Greg Schiano. <laughs> we're going to hire Pruitt.
0: I wish he hadn't left, which good on him for, you know, moving on and getting a head coaching job. Yeah, game.
1: absolutely. Um now I'm gonna pull up these numbers. I I've, I've been telling Clint all day. I was like, I got some Sark numbers for you that I'm gonna pull up, and uh, I'm gonna let you know on. And uh, I was like, these are gonna these are gonna get you pretty well. Because so,
0: somebody at work said the other day, you know, uh, talking about Sark, and they're like, well, they were, he, they they had like the number six offense in in the league, and uh, I was like, maybe that's true. I didn't look it up, but
1: they're uh, scoring went down by 12 points on average
0: but also you like to get down to the red zone and not throw the ball to Julio that much I, I don't understand
1: I mean uh, but here's the thing the, here's some sark numbers that I'm going to give you so <laughs> I compiled a list of Sarkeesian as a head coach or an offensive coordinator ever since 07 when which was his first year as an offensive coordinator at USC uh, people tried to say that him and Lane Kiffin were like co-offensive coordinators. He was involved in offensive game planning because he was the quarterback's coach, but they were not off, like technically, like technically Lane Kiffin was the offensive coordinator. They said Lane would always talk over Sark too. Exactly. So Sarkeesian as a head coach or offensive coordinator over these past few years, ever since 2007 to, uh, I went up to 2013, which was his first year at USC, not the year that he got fired. Um, I think I think it was 2013. Uh no, no it might not have been. It might have been 2014. Um uh, yeah, it might have, I think it was 2014. Um so here's the numbers for Sarkeesian. And keep in mind these first two years 07 and 08 USC. Just coming off of, you know, Pete, the Pete being Carroll the run. greatest dynasty of all time. Pete Carroll still the head coach during this time. 29th in offense for 07. 08, now, we make fun of him now, but Mark Sanchez was a heck of a college football quarterback.
0: Most of those USC guys were good quarterbacks at USC. And, yeah,
1: and all of the talent that they had, 11th in offense in 08. That was about his peak. Okay. So, then he gets hired as a head coach at Washington. And, now, keep in mind, I think it's these first three years that I'm about to rattle off to you, the offensive coordinator was a guy named Doug Nussmeier, who I'm going to talk to in, uh, <laughs> or I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Just after this puke, first year at Washington, 62nd in offense, second year at Washington, 67th in offense, third year. Uh, this is the year right before Nussmeyer gets hired at Alabama because he was, you know, an offensive genius, 38th in offense. Okay, um, I think it was one more year that he lasted, um, that he lasted at Washington. Uh, without without Doug Nussmeyer this year, 99th in offense.
0: How do you do that? How do you get an offensive coordinator job at Alabama?
1: Exactly. And then I think, if I remember correctly, this last year is his first year at USC, but, but I don't remember. It, it, it was either his last year at Washington or his first year at USC. I think his last year at Washington was that 99 number. Uh, so I'm going to say first year at USC. First year at USC, 74th in offense. So out of all the years that he's been a head coach and offensive coordinator, these are all the years right here uh, that don't include the Atlanta Falcons run that we already know was miserable. Uh, he has had one elite offense, if you can even call it that, and that was 11th in 2008 with Mark Sanchez, who ended up being a first-round pick, and probably a bunch of other super talented guys in a conference that couldn't even touch USC at that point.
0: I'm going to pull it up, One the,
1: the Falcons run. I mean, one offense that was even ranked in the top 25 through his entire head coaching and offensive coordinating career. So I have debunked the myth that he is a good offensive coordinator. He is officially highly overrated as an offensive coordinator. And I think, honestly, this may be controversial to some people, but a lot of people in Alabama may agree with this. I think he just rode the coattails of Lane Kiffin at USC. I believe that. I definitely believe I mean, that. that's what I think right there, because I, I, I've never seen it out of Sark being a great offensive coordinator. I think he's just a name that a lot of people just kind of attribute to success because he used to be at USC when they were successful, and they had some good quarterbacks, and he was the quarterback's coach. And he was, I think, the quarterback's coach uh, for Rich Gannon in like O two and 03, uh, at in uh, at Oakland. But, I mean, he's – as an offensive play caller, what has he done? I mean, he's not done anything, especially at the college level. Brian Dable was a better hire. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Sark left and then we got Brian Dable, but Brian Dable was a better offensive coordinator, you know, just by just by design, you know, uh his one year at Alabama, even with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, was better than any of Sark's years mm-hmm. ever. I mean,
0: I mean, in 2016, Atlanta under Kyle Shanahan had the number one scoring offense, number two in total yards, and they were number two overall in point. <clears throat> overall,
1: <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, they were really good. Yeah, well, this that's why I got him the job. At
0: the stat line's confusing. Forty ers All right, so they go – they're number three in passing yards, two in touchdowns, and four in interceptions. All right, so let's just look at what uh, Oh, Sark, the alcoholic, has this.
1: (laughs) The Sarkaholic.
0: Sarkaholic. And that's not – I mean, I wish the guy success anywhere he goes, but I don't wish he would come to Bama.
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely not. You know that's why we're having to sit here and talk about it is because, you know, when you hear a report that Sark is coming back to Alabama after as miserable as he a game as he called and as miserable as he's been the past two years, you know everybody's been calling for his you know firing in Atlanta like Atlanta hates him now. You know why would Alabama want that? Because he's familiar with the players. I, think, I don't. I think him, him
0: having a lot of good players at Atlanta has bailed him out. Exactly, uh, but they were number ten, and this is all pro football. They were number ten in total offense. Uh, no, fifteenth. My bad. Seventeenth uh, in points. Six in yards. Twenty uh, seventh in rushing yards. And number four in rushing yards and touchdown. number three in touchdowns. And now the reason why in – In 2017, they were number 20 in total touchdowns and number eight in uh, passing yards and 11th in interceptions. Uh, but I think – I really think just having that – just a freak – a bunch of freaks on the outside at receiver is really – just – and having a good quarterback. Well,
1: exactly. You said he was 15th in total offense, right? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> well – all right, so that doesn't sound like it's that bad, but there's only but 32. it's terrible when you have the same exact players and a year ago they were the top like the top two one of the top two offenses yep. in the NFL, and your play calling with the same exact players with very little they because in 2017 I don't think hardly any of them were getting injured left and right. No,
0: I mean their defense did die.
1: They their defense died this year.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. This year, let's uh, just look at Julio's numbers uh, because. It took a while for uh, Julio to get a touchdown this year.
1: I mean, they're not even getting the ball to him, you know.
0: And I get it. I mean, you got a player that that's that that is that good.
1: Um, yeah, and I mean, it, but it ain't like he ain't been keyed in on his entire career. So he, he's been. You know, keyed, yeah, nobody I mean, can use that as an excuse. All right. So I mean, it's it's the Sark effect, and. I worry that we get somebody in there that just squanders Tua, you know.
0: Yeah, like Nussmeier did the 2013 offense.
1: I mean, yeah, he he just submarined it, you know. That's what I fear, and I fear that Sark, you know, I don't care about Sark, you know, because apparently Sark had a good relationship with Tua was recruiting him to USC or whatever. But
0: what does that matter? He only had three – Julio had three touchdowns in 2017.
1: Three. I mean, three touchdowns. I mean, he had
0: 1,444
1: yards receiving. One of the most prolific receivers in the league.
0: He'll be a Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah. Uh, you get him three touchdowns. And then this year – Antonio he, Brown was complaining this year, and he had like 11 or 12 touchdowns.
0: Yeah, and Julio this year had six almost 1,700 yards, 1,677 yards. And eight touchdowns. Only eight touchdowns? I
1: mean, he's a freak of, of nature. and He is
0: one of the best, if not the best, receivers in the
1: league. Exactly. I mean, he's, he's probably right behind, honestly, right behind Antonio Brown, as I would put him number two.
0: He was only targeted 170 times.
1: I mean. And I, had
0: 113 receptions.
1: I mean, I would put him right behind in Antonio. In twenty
0: seventeen, he only was targeted a hundred and forty eight times and only had eighty eight receptions.
1: Exactly. I mean, he has to be the focal point of your offense, especially if you are going to be a passing offense, like apparently they were under Sark, because they were one of the worst rushing offenses 20, in the nation. Twenty
0: fifteen. Twenty fifteen was a Super Bowl run, right? When they went to the Super Bowl, like twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen season.
1: I, th- mm, I don't remember. No, I don't think so. – no, 2015 – 2016 was their Super Bowl run. 2015 was the Panthers and the Broncos that ended up going to the Super Bowl. Because he had uh, – 2015 was Peyton Manning's last year.
0: Because he ended up having um, almost 2,000 yards pa- uh, receiving.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 2015 was uh, – Yeah, the Super Bowl season. was three. Dan Quinn's first year where everybody said, oh, the Falcons, their <coughs> schedule's so easy, they might go undefeated and they finish like eight and eight. Um,
0: they are one of the most disappointing teams in the past two years but it is uh,
1: definitely but a lot of it is sark's fault yeah and that's why i don't want him there so a lot of names that have been thrown around as a replacement um I'm trying to remember a lot of them off the top of my head um larry fedora the fired head coach at uh north carolina was mentioned as a possible replacement and uh they mentioned another guy, Rob uh, Rob Sale, that is the offensive coordinator uh UL Lafayette because he's the offensive coordinator under uh, Billy Napier, who's in his first year head coaching there. Billy Napier is the guy that, you know, Alabama passed on as offensive coordinator to give to Brian Dayball, and he got mad, and so he left for Arizona State. Um, and I, those are the two names that I res- remember. I don't remember um, – off the top of my head anymore, um, offensive coordinator. It's a little bit easier to kind of.
0: Wish know, it was Dan Enos.
1: You know, I really wish it was Dan Enos. That would that was a that was an excellent thing. But they should they should have sealed the deal. If if what we're hearing is true, and they didn't really seal the deal with Dan Enos and get him a contract signed, then hey, you know
0: that's Bama's fault. That's on
1: Bama. They should have <laughs> got the man a contract and got him signed and got him in there ready to work. You know, uh, I don't know what the drama was with all that that went down. Um, I've heard that Dan Enos, like, packed his stuff up and left without telling anybody. I've heard that, you know, from Dan Enos himself that he didn't. You know, I don't really care if he did or not. They should have had that guy a contract signed. As soon as Mike Loxley. As soon as Mike Loxley took the head coaching job at Maryland. It should have been a contract in waiting. And the day after the national title game, he signs on the dotted line, paid this much amount of money. And it's time to work for next year. I mean, that's what they should have done, you know, because Dan Enos was going to be a home run hire. It could
0: have been cool if we could have got Cliff Kingsbury. at. Yeah, and I would have
1: loved Cliff Kingsbury, but, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is now head coach of the NFL, which we are probably talk about here in a little bit too. Um,
0: That's actually our next – well, that's not our next topic. And honestly,
1: if uh, Freddie Kitchens wouldn't have got the Browns off uh, head coaching position – I would have loved to see Saban make a big run for him because he is a great he, – he proved in just eight eight or so games this year how good of an offensive yep. mind he is. And everybody's like, you know, well, Freddie Kitchens, you know, he, he went from running backs coach at the beginning of the year to now all of a sudden he's a head coach. Freddie Kitchens has been coaching for a long time. He's yep. been coaching in the NFL for a while, and he's highly respected in the profession by a lot of people. Larry Fitzgerald thinks high of yep. him. And if Larry Fitzgerald thinks high of you, because he's one of the highest character thinks, guys Yeah, ever. Chris
0: Carter was impressed how much he knew the X's
1: and O's. Exactly. I mean, Freddie Kitchens, and he's down home from Etowah. He went to Etowah High School from, you know, Atala, Alabama, you know, homegrown Alabama boy. I mean, he is a guy that connects with everybody. But th- this ain't about him right now. But, um, you know, uh, nonetheless, he's a, he was a great head coach and hire. But, um, Going back to Alabama offensive coordinators, I just haven't put a whole lot of research into it yet. I haven't I heard a lot of them. I don't know who I want in there. I know I don't want Sarkeesian in Or
0: there. Doug Nussmeier.
1: And definitely don't want Doug Nussmeier.
0: I don't know why they don't make a run of Jim McElwain.
1: I, that's what I thought, too. I, th- I thought that Jim McElwain would have been a, you know, appropriate hire to bring back. I think it would have made a lot of people excited, you know, because um, I think he really just knows what to do offensively with Alabama. Um you know, I'm not going to go like Jarrett's route, your brother, and say that he's the best offensive coordinator we've ever had because Lane Kiffin deserves that honor before anybody else yep. does because Lane Kiffin modernized mm-hmm. Alabama's offense. Um, but he was awesome at Alabama and really just knew what to do with what he had because he never really had just a you know an incredible quarterback during his yeah time he period.
0: had a decent quarterback and he had. Like there was always it was one receiver and then some other guys and
1: then like you know two or three running backs that you know could have been in the Heisman running, you know every season you know Ingram Trent Richardson you know Eddie Ed, Lacy Eddie Ed, Lacy you know Eddie Lacy if he could have if he would have had more carries and because I mean in two thousand twelve you know now this was obviously the first year of Nussmeier Lacy and Yeldon ran for both a thousand yards apiece so and
0: that was the was. It was 2014 when uh, Amari went to the Heisman voting.
1: Yeah, uh, Amari was a Heisman finalist. He caught for (coughs) 1,700-something yards. Um, So, yeah, at the end of the day, I don't know who I want as Alabama's offensive coordinator, mostly because I just haven't done the research on who's available, Uh, haven't done enough research on it. I just know I don't want Sark –
0: they might not even bring Sark. I mean, there's not been any like once the the headlines broke that he the that he was seen on campus, and then it was just the I think the media ran with it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: there really hasn't been any truth to back up those sayings that he's yeah. going to be at OC. So. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, one name that you know, kind of, you know, hasn't really been heard since he got fired as a head coach at Oregon. And no, I'm not talking about Chip Kelly because he's at UCLA, but uh, Mark Helfrich I don't think would be a bad hire. But I feel like he might be the – he's he's offensive coordinator somewhere, I believe, uh, in the NFL. Um, if he was available, I don't think he would be a bad hire at all because he was a pretty good guy and he's, you know, kind of cut from Chip Kelly's cloth. So he knows offense. He just wasn't a good head coach. I mean – You know they went to the playoffs that one year mostly because of mariota because he was so great had like 57 total touchdowns in 2014 and then like 2015 came around and they just completely lost it and like fell off the map um so yeah i don't i don't know who i want for alabama's offensive coordinator i know i don't want sark at all um but i would have to i'll have to do more research on it and you know, if they don't have an offensive coordinator hired by the time that we do our next show, then I'll have a compiled list of who I want to see.
0: So how do you think they'll do next year, Bama? Because we we have a whole – there's a, uh, a lot of defensive talent that's going to have to be replaced. But also, this is – I in my opinion, this is one of – the least talented Bama defenses we've had now, like in the middle of and in, in, beginning in the begin middle in the beginning of the year, I thought, well, this is like the biggest secondary Sabans probably had since the 2011 run because uh, they were long and they were rangy. Hmm. Uh, but it doesn't matter. I mean, those big receivers from Clemson just were manhandling. Just like
1: Justin them. Ross, man, that Alabama oh. boy, he is he was a monster uh that guy's going to be a first round NFL wide receiver out right there he is He's like amazing Mac Williams almost. he is amazing um how do i think Alabama will do next year? here's the thing I don't think they're going anywhere
0: no 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 not that no I'm,
1: I'm not saying that you no i'm not saying that you're saying that at all i don't think they're going anywhere and the reason i'll give you the reasons why the pressure has now shifted to Clemson. You know, it, this wasn't, uh, you know, 2016 Clemson wins the national title and then all of a sudden we come into 2017 and nobody's talking about Alabama because everybody's still talking about Bama. Now it's true because Clemson didn't win with Deshaun Watson on the last second play. They beat Alabama's, you know, head in. So Alabama may not even be number two coming into next year. They may be number three or number Which four. Which I'm okay with. I love that. I would rather than be Alabama number Alabama plays harder when they are behind. Put them at number 10. Because it seems just like, it seems like Alabama just cannot do the 15-0 and 0 thing.
0: Well, it, even, it, it's like the, if you look back at the 2013 team, you know, we had gone back-to-back, and, you know, A.J. McCarron was at that realm, you know, back-to-back. Yeah. And then when they played, I watched like the first quarter and a half of that Iron Bowl, and they just played tight. They, yep. they did It's like they were playing. Pressure. Playing to lose. Yep. And, I think that I don't know why that Saban's team somehow I don't know if it's like because it's always Bama's so great, Bama's so great, Bama's so great, and they hear it and then Saban is trying to get rid of the rat poison, but somehow it just doesn't get out of the players' ears. And I think that I mean, you've been to the national championship game four years in a row. You were in the and been in the playoffs every year and not to mention your players are listening to uh them being told they're playing for the goat, which they are. Uh, I just think that absolutely it's resemblant of what happened with the 2013 team and then what happened in the, the natty is the 2014 season.
1: Absolutely. We heard all year long. Greatest They not, not ever lose a game because Tua's the quarterback and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, and it was Saban's greatest offense and the, probably the best yep. offense ever under at Alabama. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it was, this is the greatest team ever. This is the greatest team ever. This is the greatest team exactly. ever.
1: Exactly. And, the thing is, if you could just take the media out of everything, I think you'd never see Alabama lose a game if it wasn't for the media. But the the media hypes them up so bad. They hype up anybody, to, like they hyped up Jeremy Johnson to win the Heisman. <laughs> you remember David the, said he smells? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so how do I think they're going to do? I think they're, you know, I think they'll be either back or very close to back to the dance next year because uh, it is as Shant- as Fanta thought Fed, the Alabama Invitational.
0: Alabama Invitational.
1: So, I, I agree. All right. So listen, and this is why. All right, you got Tua, yeah, coming the back. Best receiving core in the country. Best receiving core in the country. Devonte Smith, Jerry Judy, Blitnikoff, winner, Henry Ruggs the third, who has really come on. Or, uh, Irv Smith is – He's gone. Yeah, Irv Smith went to the draft. Is Hal Hentis gone uh, too? Yeah, Hal Hentis was a senior. Um, and you lose Jonah Williams and Ross Baker on the O-line. But you got Deontay Brown will be back at left guard. Alex Leatherwood will be back. Uh, he was a starter. Jedrick Wills will be back. He was a starter. So, you, all you have to do is replace – left tackle and center. Now Alex Leatherwood may move – or Jedrick Wills may move to left tackle because Matt Walmick is still on the team that played right tackle there for a little while uh, in 2016. He's serviceable. Like he can do the job as long as he stays healthy. So they may plug Wills in at left tackle and plug Walmick in at uh, right tackle. And then you just got to find a center – and I think they've got some guys that can play center on the roster already. Like, uh, I think there was a guy that came in. He was like a four- or five-star named Emil Iquior. Uh He could probably play center. Uh, but they I'm sure they'll find somebody. They usually like somebody that's pretty experienced to play that center position. So, you know, I'm sure that they'll solve that. Uh, you've got Najee Harris returning. He's going to be the premier back. And he's going to be the premier guy. Um, you yeah. got Brian Robinson, who we've always talked about. Yep. I th- we think Brian Robinson could play most places. That says he's and win you got the Trey Sanders. That you know, And some people are like, well, he's cocky. They're going to have to beat that out of him. Well, I think that he's just – I don't think it's not because he's a team player. I think it's because he just sets that goal for himself. Because when you hear him speak, he's not speaking in a thuggish manner like I'm going to win the Heisman and I don't really care what my team thinks about it. He's speaking like that's the goals that I have set for myself. Dude, set high goals for yourself. He's probably not going to win the Heisman as a freshman at Alabama because you're behind Najee Harris for one yeah. and then behind Brian Robinson as well. But he'll be the third back. Oh, yeah. And this guy's <clears> talented. <throat> Maybe
0: Najee will get more carries. Uh, and and Najee, is, he has flashes of uh, Derek. You know, you give him the ball more. He, you give
1: him the ball more and he just eats it up.
0: Yeah, and he gets better as the game goes on versus, and, you know, with uh, – Uh, Bo Scarborough, I I don't know what happened to Bo.
1: Yeah, but – and then on defense, everybody thinks that it's just going to be a catastrophe, but it's not. You know, they lose Deontay Thompson, who really towards the back half of the year did not play well at all. He should have had more – he should have had, you know, two picks. Still an All-American. You know, yeah. I I don't know how – I think the All-American voting is more just an eye test. I don't think it's really a, a production test. Um, I think that there's a lot of players that just kind of go they said, unnoticed. I,
0: I, they said Deontay Thompson kept the secondary in the locker room after the Arkansas game.
1: <laughs> he might have, but obviously, you know, he didn't live up to himself there towards the end of the year because his draft stock went from first-round talent to he may get drafted in the fourth or fifth round. Um, a lot of those guys leaving but, I don't
0: think should leave. I think Mac Wilson should leave because he sucked it up.
1: Yeah, I, people – you know, I know a lot of people like Mac Wilson, but at the end of the day, he's a fast guy that's a, probably decent in coverage. He's not Reuben. He cannot make the calls. Like, as, as th- is is this defense? This yeah. defense was a concerted effort of of horridness this year because it was Mac Wilson can't make the right calls, and then you got Tosh Lapoy who obviously just got too pressured and couldn't do it, and then Pete Golding. You know, if he if he really did take over in October, he didn't do much better. Quinn and Williams is the reason why that defense didn't fall apart this year yeah, because yeah. he Isaiah was a monster. Buggs,
0: yeah, Isaiah Bugs couldn't like stick because it was always out of breath. Uh, I don't know. I
1: and you know Raquan <laughs> Davis is returning. Yeah. And Raquan, I think he just kind of got he got you know when he really exploded on the scene in 2017, they were like, we're going to take him out. You know, this year we've got to make sure we get that guy. Well, lo and behold, Quinn and Williams comes in here and he's a monster. Um, but they've got a guy for that guy from Madison, Lebron Ray. Yep, that guy, he's a stud. And then they've got. Did he get
0: arrested the other
1: day? He did get arrested. Uh, I think for DUI or something like yeah. that. Um, obviously, he'll be you know ready to play by the time the season comes around. He shouldn't have done that. You know how do I think it's public intoxication or something? How do you get drunk in public and get arrested for it? I never know because I'm not a drunk and I don't <laughs> understand. But you know. He'll still he'll still be back, and he's going to be a beast next year. He's already shown flashes of how great mm-hmm. he can be. Uh, there's a guy that we recruited, a five star guy named Ayabi Anoma. Yep. That guy, all he's got to do is get the mental aspect down. He is a physical freak, and he was almost making plays, even though he didn't know what to do on most plays. Like he was almost making plays in that in you know backup duty, uh, you know just on just on being good. I mean, and then you got this five-star coming in Antonio Alfano who I'm high on cuz this guy is a smart dude. That's big. I mean, he's 6'5, 265-270 and he's smart. I mean, he's a smart guy. He can catch he he'll, he'll play as a freshman. I'm I don't think he'll redshirt. I think he will play as a freshman. Um but then you got Anthony Jennings that's returning. If yep. he doesn't jump off sides, he's one of the best offensive uh or one of the best uh, outside linebackers yeah, in the Lewis. nation. And you got Terrell Lewis. If he can just stay healthy, he will be a monster. Mark my words. But the thing is, is him just staying healthy. Because yep. when he's healthy, he makes plays. Like he did in the
0: the Natty and the playoffs.
1: Yeah. And now Dylan Moses is he's good. Um and then you've got you got to replace that other middle linebacker because uh, Dylan Moses will probably be the guy that uh, makes the adjustments uh, and calls everything out. Uh, you got Joshua McMillan that's been there for a while. I think he'll he'll either be like a redshirt junior or something like that. He's he's up in age there. And then you got that young guy, a. Lee Cahoe or L. Cahoe or whatever his name is. I don't I don't really know how to pronounce his first name. But uh, he's a stud too, you know. He's a guy that was recruited late in the cycle uh, last year, and he's a guy that can play. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And then the defensive backfield, which was supposed to be the weakness, has turned into the strength because Xavier McKinney's back. Uh, Shaheen Carter, we were talking about, yep. he, he's back. Uh, Patrick Is he a Str- sophomore? He's a. I think he's going to be a senior this year. Okay. Uh, Patrick Sertan to uh, the second, which will be he will be a first round draft pick. I his, know,
0: yeah, he got picked on against uh, Oklahoma, but I mean, the I mean, refreshing. he's going up
1: against CD Lamb, uh, you know, a guy that's going to be a first round NFL talent that flexes his muscles every time he his non-existent muscles, <laughs> his little toothpick twig arms every time he catches a ball, and that was the only reason I was getting so mad about it. I was like, if he catches another ball and flexes him little toothpick arms, I'm about to lose it. Um and everybody's like, well, you know, he stunk it up in this game. He had no help up top against on most of those plays. No. And On most of those plays, their back shoulder throws. I don't make I don't make excuses, but on on some of those, CD Lamb was pushing off a little bit. You probably could have called it. You probably couldn't have called it. You know, but I'm not going to make any excuses. I mean. I will never make excuses for ref losing the game for Bama because they got a vendetta against them. I don't even know what a vendetta is. (laughs) They don't have a vendetta against Alabama. No. Um, If if anything, sometimes the calls go Alabama's way more. Like Um, like in the Mississippi State
0: game, that one call that you like, like barely touched him and and they called
1: a block in the back. I mean, he didn't even touch him. You know. Call, calls just go bad either way sometimes. I think he was pushing off a little bit sure. on Sertan. But at the same time, Sertan didn't have any help up top on most of those plays. Back shoulders, and you're just getting ate up. Yep. And plus, which we could talk about for a little bit, you just can't play friggin' defense anymore in, uh, in football. Like no, it, the NFL pass interference not, yeah. has just ruined the sport where and spot it's, fouls all the it's all about scoring. It's all about – the game being fifty six to forty nine at the end of the game because everybody's throwing for five hundred and fifty yards and that honestly to me that's ruining the game.
0: And we'll talk about that a little
1: later. But um you know you're returning Patrick Sertan, you're uh, you know, Savion Smith's leaving, which Savion Smith was good at times, but he also was like Ronnie Harrison, had a hot head and, you know, almost got us into personal foul trouble a lot of different times that I noticed that he just didn't get flagged for um, so Savion Smith, I mean, it's not it's not going to hurt us that he's gone because Trayvon Diggs is also back from that yep. injury. Trayvon Diggs him. is a legitimate first round. I, I forgot
0: about him. I thought he got drafted or something. I just yeah. legit. Saw he
1: is a saying. he's a legitimate first round cornerback talent. They, and he's tall. He's and tall. he's big, six two. He's like his brother, yep. Stephon, that plays in uh, wide receiver for the Vikings. Which he
0: played receiver too, didn't he? And they moved him. To he those played
1: side. he played receiver and then they moved him to cornerback because they thought he would be better. And uh, he, I mean, he's turned out like a Cyrus Jones. He's turned out yep. to be a lot better at, at that position. I mean, he's one of the best in the nation. And they've got, you know, like Jared Maiden and uh, Daniel Wright, some other guys at the opposite safety position that can they can probably play. So, in the defensive backfield, they are loaded. I wish we could get a new special teams coach. Well, the special teams coach, this was the he, he was a new coach this year. Uh, now, he was the guy at Texas A&M before, so just, you know, Maybe pay attention to him this year, you know it might be a lot a lot different. I, I don't think Bama has like a
0: dedicated kicking coach. I don't think most schools do in the college. I, I could be wrong.
1: I don't think so. Uh, but if there
0: was a way that we could hire Jamie Cole for special teams? Oh yeah, I would just you know, I would just be the happiest person ever. Jamie Cole. I uh, went to one of his camps, got invited to uh, another elite camp up in uh, Wisconsin uh, when I was a sophomore. Uh, for punting and but he's the kicking punting and long snapping or the special teams like coming out of high school, he puts guys in, uh, helps them get scholarships and everything and also yeah, he, he's a guru. And he's the one who decides uh who goes and plays in the Under Armour All American game for the kicker, punter and snappers for both yep. teams. He's
1: the one that decides that. Yeah, a little bit tiny bit of background on Jamie Cole. He used to play at Iowa State and I think he ended up being like the leading scorer all time at Iowa State as a kicker. The
0: dude knows his stuff. Like he um the f- like getting off top just a little bit uh in like my freshman year of high school there was somebody else running auburn's kicking camp um and then when i went back the next year coach cole was running it and it was just completely different had guys that played in the league uh, guys that played in the league guys that played in college like our punting coach was the uh all-time leading uh punter in yards at university of wisconsin whitewater and like it was like some ridiculous, like eight or 9,000 yards in punting. Like, just absurd. gracious. Yeah. And he was a lefty, too, which was cool. Just they, they are really good dudes. And like, he helps guys get into the league. So the dude probably makes more money as, and he gets probably more out of doing what he does than he would be as a Definitely college coach. Definitely helping but, more people. But if that was a hire, I would, I would just be out of this world with happiness. Yeah.
1: People have, People are trying trying to devalue kickers and punters, but they're very important. Obviously, I mean, in Alabama, if, you know, definitely <laughs> knows the importance of a kicker. I because mean, because we look, never have one. 2011 game against LSU. I mean,
0: the regular season game, not the national championship. Yeah,
1: and whew, goodness gracious! And last year
0: in the national championship, it almost cost us the national championship game. Yeah, and and it's not a knock at the kickers; like, it is a mental game, and you can look at cody parkey or any of the other guys in the in daniel carlson uh it is a mental game like yeah, if you it up at
1: auburn and then the nfl they struggle if you
0: th- think that you're going to miss that kick you've already you've already missed that kick uh mentally and uh for instance whenever i was at the kicking camp at auburn we had the number one kicker in the country there austin hardin the dude kicked like a game-winning 59 yarder his junior year he played in georgia he was getting recruited everywhere. Like we were all having to like walk like five miles back to camp. He was getting run around on golf carts by yeah, I remember the you telling staff, me about that. And he ended up going and playing at Florida.
1: And it was terrible.
0: He, like, in, like there's videos like of him, his senior year, like getting ready for the underarm all American game, kicking like 60 and 65 yard field goals off the turf, like just killing it. Well, come game time, he couldn't hit an extra point off the turf. What the heck's wrong with this guy? Well, he gets to Florida, and he just sucks.
1: Yeah, Like, the dude Absolutely. was kicking
0: field goals on kickoffs. That's how good he was. And then when he gets to Florida, he just, like, dies. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> Can't be. He just forgets everything.
0: And now Florida's kicker uh, is uh, – Evan McPherson. Evan McPherson. And I roomed with his brother at Auburn, Logan, you know, and they both played at Fort Payne. And uh, Logan played at La Tech. And, and now his little brother's down there. So, Coach Cole knows what he's doing. Um uh, it was a little tangent we got off on, but nonetheless, uh, special teams is important. Yeah, be nice. All right, so um, moving on uh, to the NFL now, Cliff Kingsbury at Arizona.
1: Cliff Kingsbury at Arizona sounds like a weird hire because of his track record that at, at Texas Tech as a head coach. Um, I did read this. Uh, it was on the USA Today or New York Times or something. It was an opinion article that made a little bit of sense. Running up being a head coach at an NFL team and running a college program are two different things. They
0: talked about, I think uh, Chris Carter talked about it too. Yeah. uh,
1: NFL uh, team is more about just doing the X's and O's. You're not worried about, you know, where your players are at and what they're doing. You're coaching grown men. You know, you're not having to be, you know, in the control of the entire program, you know, because you still, you know, obviously, you know, Nick Saban still technically has a boss, (laughs) even though he, he probably the- pretty much runs Alabama at this point, um, but the NFL you legitimately as a head coach, your owner, you know, and your general manager, if you're if you're not Bill Belichick, and you, you know, there are guys that have to help you make decisions. The owner can go and say, "I want this player because I think he's going to bring in more money," and you know, if he doesn't waver on that, you are stuck with it regardless. So. The thing is, is, you know, you can game plan and just kind of play X's and O's in the NFL, whereas college is more about recruiting and worrying where you're co- where you're, where everybody is and how many coaches can you get on your staff to help you out. You know, the NFL is more of an X's and O's, just, you know, settle down and, and, and also, play the X's like, and O's. I, I he's a good offensive coach, yeah, definitely. I, offensive the only genius. thing I worry about is him as a head coach, you know, he's going to have to get somebody in there that can really coach defense because – he never had a, a, anywhere near a decent defense at Texas Tech.
0: Well, also the – I don't know why tech, like defense does not exist in, except for when they play Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. In the Big 12. In the Big 12. But, uh, you know, like I, it was Chris Carter, he said, uh, you know, talking about how it's a difference in college and NFL. And even as a head coach, it's uh, – but there was somebody who was asking a uh, head coach uh, – in a press conference in the NFL, like, what about the defense? Like, what are they running? Yada, yada, yada. And he's like, I don't know. Why don't you go ask the defensive coordinator? Yeah, exactly. So, I think it'll be – it'll be interesting. He had, you know, he had Johnny Manziel and uh, got him to a Heisman. He had Patty Mahomes. um,
1: And Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield. At one point. So –
0: and they had really good offense. And then another
1: guy named Davis Webb that ended up yep. getting picked by the Giants yep. is, so, was a Texas Tech product as so well. So
0: I think it'll be interesting. Hopefully he does good because I don't think he's a, a bad dude.
1: Um, yeah, I was in his corner at Texas Tech. He just never was able to pull it all together. Like, no. Like he, right behind Alabama, like honestly, like literally right behind Alabama, I was like, you know, obviously nobody can ever even get close to my – you know, fandom for Alabama, but I was like, man, Texas Tech's up there. I'm pulling But you even talked
0: about him uh, when he was at A&M. You always liked him at A&M. Yeah,
1: I was like, uh, Kingsbury's going to get a head coaching job, you know, here soon. And, you know, he's he's an excellent offensive coach, but they could not put it all together at Texas Tech. But maybe he's able to put it together at the Cardinals, but I'm going to tell you where it starts with his success is going to live or die on how much they improve that offensive line. Uh because yep. the offensive line is Swiss cheese and nobody can yep. play a good quarterback. Yep. Even Josh Rosen can't play a good quarterback behind that offensive line right now. David Johnson can't run the ball behind that offensive line right now. So and then like, you know, Walter football is kind of a website that I frequent a lot. Walter Cheropinski runs it. He uh has a mock draft out and he's got the first overall pick, you know, obviously is going to Arizona and he's got them picking Nick Bosa. And I just don't think that's a good idea. I think that the, what they need to do is, yeah, you can pick some – I mean, you can pick a, you know, game-changing edge rusher, and, you know, it may be fine. But maybe you also let somebody that is going to be dumb enough to, you know, trade up and uh, get Dwayne Haskins as their quarterback. Maybe you trade down, get some draft capital. and Or even pick Kyler Murray. Drop back for – yeah, drop back for a little bit and, you know, pick you a good left – Tackle, good offensive lineman like Jonah Williams or that guy Jawan Taylor out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Pick somebody that's going to anchor your offensive line for years because they need it. Look at the Colts; they had the, a terrible offensive line. All of a sudden, they draft Ryan Kelly, they draft Quentin Nelson, uh, they get some other you know decent players in there. All of a sudden, they're the best offensive line in the league, yep. or one of, you know. And all of a sudden, Andrew Luck is healthy again, and he's got time to throw, you know. So. Now I'm not. Now you can't really directly. You can't really correlate a top offensive line to immediate like Super Bowl winning. You're going to win the Super Bowl every year because uh, the top offensive lines in the league really are teams that are not winning Super Bowls, like the Steelers that aren't even in the playoffs.
0: Well, yeah, and then the Cowboys a couple of years the Raiders, ago, the Cowboys a couple years ago, the Raiders a couple of years ago. I mean, they
1: were the teams that everybody was talking about, and they didn't do anything. Yeah. You know, so. You can't directly correlate that, but if you got two or three really good offensive linemen, you're going to move the ball. And you know, the thing is, is you can't just spend all your money on five offensive linemen. You just can't. But if you got three quality guys and just two kind of plug and play guys, you're you're all right. So when do you it comes think that.
0: do you think that they'll? These are like our next two topics. Do you think that they'll trade Josh Rosenway and draft Kyler Murray since Cliff Kingsbury was talking about it?
1: It depends on what the what Cliff and the general manager come up with as a consensus. If everybody's sitting here and saying that they think Kyle Murray is a first round draft pick, and Walter Football brought up a good point, hey, because he does not believe Kyle Murray can be an NFL quarterback. I don't think he's he got can. him listed as quarterback, wide receiver, halfback because he thinks that he would be a better wide receiver or halfback because he's too short. Yet I'm not against like short, shorter guys playing quarterback. But when you're if if it comes out in this combine that he's legitimately 5'8 or 5'7 which is what everybody says is a real possibility because he's very short and he's not anywhere near 5'11 that they had in I saw a at. picture
0: of him standing next to Doug Flutie he was taller. Right? It could have been shoes but I just like you said he's this tiny
1: And he's small, so.
0: It's not that tiny quarterbacks or small quarterbacks are a bad thing. Look at Baker Mayfield, look at Russell Wilson. But the
1: thing is, at the same time, Baker Mayfield's still at least six foot tall.
0: He is six foot, and he weighs like 220.
1: And then Russell Wilson, yeah, he's the guy that everybody points to, but Russell Wilson is extraordinarily smart and an extraordinarily talented football guy. Uh, Now, I'm not saying Kyler Murray's not talented, but, you know, Russell Wilson was playing against tough defenses, at Wisconsin that last year, and he was shredding them.
0: Which Kyler Murray, he was him and C.D. Lamb were Oklahoma's offense. And I mean, and yeah, Oklahoma because they're obviously their defense
1: yeah. was terrible. They definitely were, but that was with a good offensive line going yeah. up against Alabama's worst defense that they've had other than two thousand seven. Well, I'm Saver. not. I'm not directly talking about the yeah.
0: the Orange Bowl, but. Uh, if a team, in my opinion, if a team is dumb enough to pick him more power to him, because yeah, financially absolutely. it makes more sense. If, if a team is going to, if a team is going to draft him in the first round and if the number one overall pick and, and and it, and it is Arizona and they were to trade Josh Rosen, I would be okay with it. Uh, just because it'll take him longer to get big money in the majors. If he doesn't, you know, cause he's going to have to play triple and double a ball. No, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh. And some guys for years, yeah. And some guys never make it out of the farm leagues. Like Jared, definitely, uh, my little brother was telling me about uh, a guy from Ardmore who's a pitcher He's draft number one overall. Which it, positional and pitchers are different players, but he was draft number one overall in the majors. He never made it out of the farm leagues. Yeah, absolutely. which there is more talent, you know, more competition as a pitcher. Definitely. Uh, you know, and Aaron Judge just now got a contract like last year, and exactly. he was the face of the Yankees.
1: Yep, definitely.
0: Uh So. Now longevity and playing longer absolutely makes more sense to play uh, baseball. Uh, but if if he gets drafted in the third round, he says, "Nah, I'm good. I'll go play baseball because he's probably going to make the same amount of money as a yeah, third absolutely. or fourth round pick." But if a team drafts him at number one, overall pick, even and even in the first round, he's going to get paid. And yeah,
1: he's going to get paid, and he's going to play.
0: And and you know they drafted Lamar Jackson. And Lamar is taller, uh, but. Lamar is not as good as a thrower as Kyler, and now Kyler's playing against worse defense, so you can make that argument. But I don't know i I think it. I think he's doing. I think he's making a good decision.
1: Yeah, his the decision is great from a financial standpoint for him. It but if, if he
0: can stay healthy, which I don't think he can because he weighs 195 pounds.
1: Yeah, and he's not. There's not much room on his frame to bulk up at all. And if he does, it's like Walter Football was saying. If he does, you know what? If how much speed does he lose? you know, by trying to bulk up and get heavier. If Cliff Kingsbury wants to live and die with Kyler Murray in the NFL, and so be it, and they it do works, need to trade away Josh Rosen. Yes,
0: yeah, because I don't like Josh Rosen.
1: So they need to trade Josh Rosen Fra- to somebody who's a little bit more desperate.
0: Yeah, and his stat his stat line in college was not that great. He basically had like a 50 to 60% completion rate. Well, this is
1: the thing. Like I was telling you, I told you about this uh when they were talking about Josh Allen last year. Um. There is not a single quarterback in the NFL besides Tyrod Taylor who was starting Week One for the Browns and he didn't start too much longer after that, um, which his, which his uh, best year still rounded up to sixty percent. But there is not a single quarterback in the NFL that's that was starting that did not have at least a one sixty percent year throwing the ball at the college level. And you know I was telling you about because Josh Allen threw fifty six percent really for his career. Yeah. And everybody was like, "Well, it's because Wyoming has terrible receivers, and they're all dropping it." And I was like, "Not so fast." The, among all the quarterbacks last year in the draft, he had the second best uh, drop rate among wide receivers. Sam Darnold was the only one that had it better. Lamar Jackson's on the other hand was like they were dropping balls like nine percent of the time. Yeah, almost ten percent of the time. That means one out of every ten dropbacks, a receiver is going to drop the ball. So, you know, so that I th- I think that. You know, you've got to have a guy that's had 60% uh, at least one year at college. I, I'm i still – I understand Josh Allen, you know, has got people excited because he is running around like a goose or whatever. How
0: can somebody can sustain, can sustain that very long? But, I mean, look at Cam. Has cams? he
1: been a good thrower? No, no like Josh that, Allen has been terrible. That so one enough.
0: play that I sent you, so they were playing uh, – who were they playing? Miami? I yeah, think it was Miami. My, uh, somebody. I, there was a – Josh Allen threw a slant, and the slant was open for a touchdown, and it was so far behind that it, it hit – Yeah, he, Zay he Jones
1: it. had to redirect himself. He,
0: when he caught it behind himself, it redirected him, his momentum, and that's how he scored. Yeah. It was that bad, and it's on the Bills' uh, Instagram account if you want to look it up. But, like – Talking about the passer completing, like, all right, for instance, in 2015-2016 season, Josh Allen uh, threw for 3,668 yards. Well, he had 292 completions out of 487 attempts. So what is that like? Fifty-four, fifty-five percent. It's
1: yeah, it's no better than fifty-six, I know that much. And
0: only twenty-three touchdowns and eleven percent. So. so you could chalk that up to being a sophomore or a freshman, whatever he was. Uh, his this, the next year. Uh he only played in six games, so he must have got hurt. Uh obviously I didn't do my homework very well. But um so the the year he came out of the uh, before he came out of the, for the draft. Uh, 282 completions, 451 uh, att- attempts for 3,717 yards, threw 10 picks, 26 touchdowns, and was sacked 26
1: times. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's never been a high volume accuracy guy. Now, on the other hand, you got a guy like Baker Mayfield that was getting, and we were even questioning it. I was like, what? Because I wanted Sam Darnold first overall to Cleveland. I thought Sam Darnold was probably the best quarterback. And they talked out.
0: about taking i think there was talk about taking two quarterbacks
1: yeah and now uh you the know Browns. it turns out I may be very wrong and it looks like John Dorsey was very right at least for this first year and i and i hope so and uh, they should have
0: gave the starting job to, to Baker
1: they should have yeah and their he, season he probably officially won the backup job yeah they
0: their season probably looked a little watching
1: different. Hugh jack watching uh Hugh you Jackson, know so those little ho- highlights of uh, hard knocks you know everybody talks about how sad hugh jackson just sounded as a head coach like giving duke johnson the day off because he didn't want duke johnson to get hurt and todd haley was like we need to stop living in our fears and you know get these guys out here to do work and not worry about if they're going to get hurt or not as a as a coach and you know i plan on going into the coaching profession you know here very soon even i'm I'm not gonna just not have people practice because I don't want them to get hurt. How are we supposed to get better and how are we supposed to game plan for people
0: you don't you don't get player you don't do that unless a player's hurt
1: yeah and you don't get into game shape if you don't let them practice even though they're injury prone, they will never get into game shape and they will get hurt because it's some it's something like everybody's talked about like you know Marquis Hollywood Brown because you have to call him Hollywood Brown every time because he's got a you know stupid nickname. Um, Marquise Hollywood Brown, you know, that hurt himself in the Big 12 championship game. Well, he comes back, and, you know, everybody says he's about 75% in that Alabama game, and he was able to do nothing. He limped. Because he was limping and because he was not in game shape. No. You know, you get in, you you sit at home for not trust. Weeks.
0: Yeah, and he didn't trust his – and you could make the argument he didn't trust his injury. Yeah,
1: he didn't trust the ankle. You know, when you're at that point, you know, when you're four weeks out, you got to get back in the game shape. You know you And have your
0: training staff. Look at the, what they did with Tua versus. I mean, I'm sure that they don't have the medical staff that you know Bama does, but and that's not a knock at Oklahoma's facilities or anything. It's just
1: yeah, it's just. I mean, it's the, just the, the truth. Yeah. Alabama's one of the highest you know high spenders in the nation in that in that regard. You know, but you got to be in game shape. Uh, but yeah, overall, um, I will tell you this much: like I will not. If I was a general manager, which I will never be, but if I was a general manager, I do not draft a quarterback that did not have at least a 60%. Uh, because, the, yeah, back in the day, you could draft guys like that because back in the day it was a lot harder to throw the ball because that you could actually play defense. But in nowadays, if you cannot complete 60% of your passes in today's football where everything's geared toward passing the ball, then I don't trust it. You know, I don't, I don't trust it at all. And I mean, the numbers are not there for Josh Rosen, you know. And
0: the way he was smug, like not getting taken the overall, just sitting there with that smug face, and then getting pissed off because he didn't get taken the first pick. The guy that took, got taken the first pick was the Heisman Trophy winner,
1: exactly, and had a
0: historic season. And that the only person and everybody to, was
1: still counting him out, yeah, because we even were,
0: yeah, absolutely. And and the guy who broke his stat line was the next Heisman Trophy yep. winner, so. For you to sit there and be smug, and then like on the Jason Whitlock show, those NFL player, former NFL players were like, "We saw how he acted when he didn't get picked in the first, you know, first nine picks, and then you come exactly. in the locker room and you act like that. No, screw you. We're not gonna, we're not gonna have this attitude." And yeah, he's always on social media being the social justice warrior. Play football, dude. Play yeah, like
1: he really knows everybody struggles, you know, because yeah, yeah, uh, he doesn't have to work at McDonald's in case the football thing doesn't work out, because that's exactly what he said. You know, there's a difference between being kind of an upstanding person and just saying stupid things, and he just says stupid things. He's like
0: Ryan Tannehill and Jay Cutler.
1: When he said, yeah, when he said that, uh, when he said that thing about, well, my family is not stupid rich, but... His dad was like a smidge away from being the attorney general under Obama, so it's not like he's not prestigious. He's like, my family's not stupid rich, but I won't have to work at McDonald's if I if the football thing. Doesn't why even pan say out. that? Like, why do you have to say something like that? For one, you know, people at McDonald's. I mean, they. There's some people that just have to work there, and you we know, both how, work how, at McDonald's in hospital. And how are you gonna get how are you gonna get your food if some if nobody works at McDonald's? If you stop at McDonald's in the morning for breakfast, how are you gonna get your food if nobody works there? Because a, ro- a robot they they're not at the point where robots just spit that stuff off the assembly line. So for one thing, for him to insult McDonald's workers like that is just kind of ridiculous. I, it may sound like a social justice warrior type rant, and it's not really, but it's just you know when you're spoon fed like that. You know, people that weren't spoon fed get really irritated when you say stuff like that. For one thing. For another thing, you know, Josh Rosen's got that entire just smug attitude about him, taking pictures of him with his little pool and his, you know, dorm room or whatever. You know, I'd rather take somebody that's got a chip on their shoulder. I'd Uh, rather take Baker Mayfield all day. And the thing And Baker is the underdog. And a lot of people are not talking about it and a lot of people will hate me for saying this and I don't really care. Baker Mayfield had every bit as good of a season as Tom Brady did this year. He had the almost exact same numbers, and he's I think he just had played l- less games, and he played in less games. I think he just had less yards, but touchdowns and interceptions to him and Tom Brady were both similar. Um, so
0: and he uh, broke the rookie record for passing touchdowns
1: exactly, and did played in less games. And I think the rookie record was held by a guy named Peyton Manning too, because yeah, in '98 Peyton Manning was drafted. His first year, he had 26 touchdowns and 28 interceptions. And then that second year, Peyton Manning just took off because he's the sheriff. And I don't care what anybody says. I, You know, Tom Brady is the greatest by achievements, but Peyton Manning is always going to be one of my favorite quarterbacks to have ever watched just because he was the sheriff. He's the guy that made all the calls. I mean, he ran the offense. You,
0: uh, and they said that uh, – I think uh, what's his name? Uh, Jared Goff is the first player to do it in a while but uh since Peyton Manning, but top-rated high school recruit, number one like college stud, number one rated uh uh draft pick and then lighting it up in the NFL in year 3.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh
0: but moving on from that, uh the AB controversy.
1: A.B. controversy. We can yeah. probably
0: be really short with this one. We too.
1: can we, we can be pretty short with this one because I'll tell you this much as a Steelers fan because I am a big Steelers fan, and I'll tell you this much. A.B. is the best receiver in the league right now by far. And it, it's not – it's kind of like the Barry Sanders effect. He's a guy that's smaller than everybody else. He's 5'10", 185 pounds or whatever, and he, you know – he is dominated every year. Just go and look at his stats. Every year he's got around 1,500 yards and around 15 touchdowns just every season. He's a, one of the best route runners and some of the best hands in the league. But he is a diva personality like many wide receivers are. The only wide receiver that I can't, can't really point to being a diva is, is also one of the best is Julio Jones. Yeah, he's quiet. I mean, he's so quiet. but. Um, Here's the thing about Antonio Brown as great as he is, he is the greatest receiver I'll be honest with you of just my like, you know, adult lifetime. I think Antonio Brown's been the best receiver in the league, you know, during my adult lifetime. I can't say he's the best receiver of my lifetime because Jerry Rice was still playing when I was born and when Clint was born as well. So, I mean, you know, that would be just, you know, unrealistic. My adult lifespan, Antonio Brown has been the best, you know, since I've been about 18 years old. Before then, it would be Randy Miles. Randy Miles.
0: You got Miles. But – um, You think they'll trade him?
1: As great as Antonio Brown is, I think they're listening to trade offers. And I, if I'm the general manager, I'm trading him. I'm getting draft capital for him because, listen, it would be different. I would – Say work it out with him if they didn't have Juju Smith Schuster on their roster. Yep, and he's really Smith Schuster is going to be a top. I mean, he's a top dog. Now.
0: And they said that he's been complaining. AB has been complaining. And, and if you don't know who AB is, we're talking about Antonio. Did we say Antonio Brown?
1: Yeah, okay. Antonio Brown.
0: Uh, but uh, he was getting mad because Juju was getting the ball. Like the, I guess the coverages yeah. has shifted, and like that's what
1: I was saying. You know, earlier on because uh, this is this. You know, they obviously fire. Uh, released Todd Haley from his contract last year and they promoted Randy Feekner to offensive coordinator position this year and he was a good offensive coordinator this year and uh had it not been for you know big Ben's just double sorted incompetence where sometimes he throws for 500 yards and five touchdowns and sometimes he throws for 500 yards and 16 interceptions in one game because um, he just goes, you know, completely ridiculous. And then ridiculous. places the blame on somebody else. And then places the blame on everybody else. But um, Antonio Brown had a bunch of touchdowns this year and a bunch of yards and was still complaining. Like, what are you to complain about? Because you, you had more yards than you did? Not a team player. Well, go out there and play, man. There was somebody on the Jason Whitlock show that
0: played with A.B., Think earlier in his
1: probably show. James Harrison. How I was don't know James Harrison comes on there a lot. He
0: might have been James. I was listening to it in my like on my way home from work, so I didn't get to see who it was, and I wasn't paying that much attention. But he said, that, or it could have
1: been Ryan Clark too. Ryan Clark goes on those shows a lot.
0: Might have been Ryan Clark. Anyways, he said that uh, when they got a they got a B, and then at some point when he started asking for more money, he told the whoever he told somebody on the coaching staff or in the front office trade him because he's going to be problems.
1: And this was yeah, earlier in exactly.
0: his career. He was early in his career. Uh, so and, I mean,
1: he's great. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like Le'Veon Bell. You know, it gets to the point where you're getting replaced by some other guys. If you're just going to ask for more money and more money and more responsibility and cry and whine about everything, just trade them and get some draft capital and when you out pay, of them.
0: And when you get that big money, you have to play that like you're worth you that you got to money. play
1: like big money, exactly. It's just like Le'Veon Bell. He's been – a. You know, one of the best running backs in the league, but everybody and everybody's trying to say, well, they missed the playoffs because they didn't have Le'Veon Bell. That's not true at all. They missed the playoffs more than anything because Big Ben just threw interceptions in the red zone. And you lost to the Raiders. That doesn't have that doesn't have anything to do with Le'Veon Bell. Because, and the reason why is because, one, James Conner came in and played every bit as well as Le'Veon Bell would have played this year. And then James Conner gets hurt, and then Jalen Samuels, a rookie, comes in and he plays as well as Le'Veon Bell or James Conner would have played. The only difference between James Conner and Le'Veon Bell this year was James Conner was more prone to fumbles than Le'Veon Bell has been throughout his career.
0: But this is his only second year in the league, and he, he so, can make that argument. A little bit. You
1: think that paying Le'Veon Bell like $20 million of guaranteed money is going to get us one more win? I don't believe so because Le'Veon Bell's been a good running back, but he's never been – He's the only time I can remember that he's the reason we won the game was we played the Chargers, I think it was 2014, and they put him in the Wildcat at the very end of the game, just last play of the game. They took a snap. It looked like they had stopped him, and he second efforted, got into the end zone. We beat the Chargers on a walk-off touchdown. That's the only time I can ever remember Le'Veon Bell just literally winning us the game. It's always been Big Ben Brown with Bell. You know, it's always been all three of them and the offensive line playing well. It's never been Bell carrying us to a win like Ezekiel Elliott, you know, carrying the Cowboys to a win. It's never been that way. So Antonio Brown still on the roster. And everybody's talking about, well, you're going to have some dead cap space this year. You know, you got this much in dead cap money. Well, you're either going to have Antonio Brown that doesn't want to play for you on the team, spending more money on him, or you're going to have one year of dead cap money and probably at least one first-round pick, if not two, you know, or one first-round and one second-round pick. Get rid of him. Get some trade capital. You've already got a number one receiver. You don't have to have two number one receivers on the team. Obviously, it's not working. Because that's why they're called number one. Because you have a number one, a number two, a number three, and a tight end on the team. You don't need two number ones on the team because it usually just does not work out. You and know,
0: especially just, if they if they have a bad personality. And like,
1: listen, you know, Big Ben's not going to go anywhere till he retires. He's a stealer for life. They're not going to get rid of him. No. It don't matter if he throws 15 touchdowns and 25 interceptions next year. And they're He's not, gonna not going to fire
0: Tom, Mike Tomlin. And they're
1: not going to fire Mike Tomlin. And everybody thinks, That's oh, Tom, Mike Tomlin needs to go. Who are
0: you going to replace him
1: with? And it's like – and I used to th- think – I used to get so mad because they would lose these games to teams like the Raiders until Chris Carter put it as plainly as you can put it. Because Abs, he, This is true. Like he says, I've been in a lot of locker rooms. I played in the NFL for a long time, and he's got a gold jacket. Chris Carter said it best when he said, the big games the coach gets you ready for. Yep. The smaller games where you're supposed to win, the players have to get themselves ready to play that game. You have to. I mean, this is, these, are grown, to, men. these not, are grown men. They're grown men. They're not you, you eighteen need to, to know twenty-two year olds. That you got to get out there and whoop the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders are you know a three-win team probably at that point. You know, you you got to know that you got to get out there and just whoop the Raiders because you you should. You don't go out there and lose to them, and it's not Tomlin's fault. You know, so it's whatever. I don't know why anybody thinks that Tomlin needs to be fired. He's never had a season under eight and eight. His entire year. Yep. That's even like Andy Reid. Andy Reid shouldn't have been fired at eight, uh, from Philadelphia, and he had still had two, I think, two or three losing seasons. Uh, but I mean, obviously, he had went to the playoffs a lot, and even went to a Super Bowl. But he had only had like three losing seasons in his entire Philadelphia run, and they still get, they got rid of him. And people are asking for Mike Tomlin to be fired, and he's never had a losing season. He's never even been seven and nine. It's eight and eight. His his worst. That guy is a coach, and he's got a Super Bowl ring, and that's bought him a lot of time with Pittsburgh. A Super Bowl ring buys you a whole lot of time because you got to just be terrible mm-hmm. for them to get rid of you after you got a ring. And Tomlin's got a ring. He went to another one, you know, where we lost to Aaron Rodgers, who's, you know, one of the greatest talents at quarterback of this generation, if not the greatest talent at quarterback of this generation. Um, you know, and Clay Matthews was on the defensive side of the ball in his second year. Um, you know, so we lost that Super Bowl, but Tomlin's bought himself a lot of time and listen, Mike Tomlin is a great football coach. And I said it a few years ago, I don't know if I'd say it, still say it today, but a few years ago I named off my top five head coaches at NFL or college. Mike Tomlin made that list, uh, as a top five coach in the profession. He is because he is the man. I mean, and you know, if I could go to a coaching clinic of his, I would love that. But um, yeah. Uh, long story short, AB they need to get trade capital for AB. Let Juju be the number one receiver and just you know, and and go on trade him to the Forty ers because that's apparently Jerry Rice said that's where AB wants to be because they're close. Let him go to the Niners. Let the Niners win a Super Bowl with him. You know, let him get a ring. Uh, let Jimmy Garoppolo come back from injury and yeah, we like throw a bunch of touchdown to it. Kyle Shanahan, and and, uh, I like Kyle Mike Shanahan. John Lynch. Love John Lynch at GM and I like Jimmy Garoppolo and I oh. really hope he succeeds, you know, cause I think he got a raw deal in new England with Robert Kraft and yeah. all them. I don't care. You know, I don't care if Tom, as the, the legend of Tom Brady or not, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo got a raw deal out of that situation. You know, Robert Kraft making Bill Belichick trade him, you know, Bill Belichick wasn't going to get rid of mm. Garoppolo was the backup option. They were, he wanted to get rid of Brady and, you know, People were trying to act like he didn't really want to get rid of Brady. Bill Belichick, he's the general manager of that team. He wanted to get rid of Brady. He wanted to get rid of Brady, get some draft capital for him because somebody would pay a first-round pick to put Brady on their team easily. He wanted to get some draft capital for him and roll with Jimmy G is what he wanted to do. And he got overruled on that. Jimmy G got a raw deal out of it. But you know what? He also just got paid. And, you know, hopefully he'll come back from his injury and just be great next year. You know, he's got a guy, George Kittle, you know, a good tight end that's going to become a big weapon for him. Yeah, he
0: broke the all-time record for receiving yards by (laughs) tight end. And
1: if they get Antonio Brown, that would be completely awesome. They'll have weapons and they'll have an offensive line there. Uh, Having a defense that's getting built up, you know, they'll be a real contender. So,
0: moving on, uh, we can knock out two birds with one stone with this one. College football playoffs suck, and will the game ever slow down and go back under center? Thing, I think they do suck, I th- and I wish the game would go back under center.
1: Yep, that's exactly how I am. The college football playoff sucks. I don't care what anybody else thinks. Because if you get four in there, everybody's going to complain about why five and six didn't get you in. You
0: complain about two in the BCS system.
1: Yep, because nobody else can get I'm sure in.
0: before that time, they complained about the split national champion.
1: Oh, yeah. and That's like Joel Klatt tried to say. He's like, you would prefer that? And I was like, honestly, I don't care. I would much rather go back to split national champs and you know, if you had to split national champs between A P and U P. I and, you know, just just go on about it and and not have the playoff, I would even I would even prefer that. But the BCS system, the only time that the BCS didn't have an outright national champion was O three, where Uh, LSU and USC were both recognized as national champs. That was the only year that the BCS didn't have an outright national champ. Now, sure, people complained about, well, 2008, 2009, or whatever. Why is it Boise State in a national championship game? Well, probably because they're Boise State, for one. Uh, But the BCS, except for 2003, always had a consensus national champion. You know? I would love to go back to the BCS because I hate the college football playoff. I hate the fact that, you know, you work all this time and it diminishes the conference championship, you know, where the conference championship is a game that you really just have to survive with no injuries if you're a playoff football team. And then, you know, if you're a team like Auburn who was, you know, up there and all they had to do was beat Georgia to get in, they lose. All of a sudden, Georgia's in and the team that they just beat, Alabama's in, in 2017. I don't think that the college football playoff is really fair, and I don't think expanding it makes it any better. No, expanding because it diminishes everything. Expanding it to eight. It diminishes, puts, yes. Honestly, expanding it to eight, you may put one more team that deserved to be in in it. Or you're going to have three friggin' teams there in six through eight that did not deserve to be in that playoff playing for a national title.
0: Even at six teams, you're still going to have the same.
1: And even at six teams, you're you you you're probably going to have that six team that really did not deserve So you're going to have in. a
0: team that – Got blown out by 28, Remember we're talking about Georgia, because everybody said Georgia should be in the playoff over Notre Dame. Yeah,
1: Georgia should be in the playoff over a 12-win, undefeated Notre Dame team that had beat Michigan at the beginning of the year, beat four or five top 25 teams, and I think they only played two or – Clint, I think they only played like three teams that were not power five football teams. They played Navy, who was not very good this year, but Navy's, you know, under – Ken Neumatololo, their head coach, they've always been a decent football Yeah, and team. they had
0: beat Army for so long. You
1: know, this is the first year that they were just not good in a, in a long time. They've always been a pretty good team. You know, you had Ball State, which is not a very good team that, you know, took them down to the wire. And then, you know, I think they had like one more team. They're contractually obligated to play four or five ACC games every year. They always play Michigan every season. And this is
0: the first year they haven't played Clemson in a while, I think, too.
1: You know, I mean – they play USC at the end of every year. Which was USC that great this year? No, but they've always usually been a ten win team. Yeah, they're a college football blue blood. They have to play Notre Dame, and USC has has to play at the end of every year for the jewel Chileli. Um, so if you take, so how do you take yeah. that team that went twelve and zero with yeah a schedule that maybe Bama and Georgia could run through, but you can't diminish their success just because oh well they're not. Talented. They, they're, they're not. They every, every team would just run over them. Well, they so, might have, they might not have beaten any of the other, you know, top five of the top six teams. They might not have beaten anybody or gotten close. But you cannot diminish their success like that. And everybody's gonna, you know, there might be people listening to it that are like, well. You're trying to use that argument, well, what about UCF? Well, UCF don't play hardly any Power 5 teams at all. No. They don't play anybody. And they, they just turn down they played, and deal with Florida. They play maybe one top 25 team every year. You know, Notre Dame played four, including Michigan, who was one of the top teams in the nation by the end of the year that they had beaten in the first game. And then you got like four, of, three or four other top 25 teams. You know, you've only got three you know group of five opponents that you've even played against none of no division one double a teams like like even alabama and auburn does and clemson does too and clemson does it too they play georgia does too one division one double a team a year notre dame didn't have any of them so and georgia lost and so you going to put a team
0: that on the biggest stage in their biggest games got blown out by twice 20, by 20 i think it was 20 or 28 they lost
1: by 20 to lsu and, and then, then they got beat by alabama
0: 14 point lead in the SEC championship game, and they got just manhandled. The score was not indicative of what the game actually was like. Got manhandled by Texas, so that yeah. argument is dumb.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I don't agree with that. And I, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, I have a lot of respect for in the football world that, you know, did not think Notre Dame should have been in. And we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on that because you can't take away somebody that went 12 and 0 and only played three group of five teams and the rest were power five opponents you cannot diminish their success like that and just say well you're 12 and 0 but since you're not in a conference never mind because they contractually play five acc games and then you got to play usc and michigan who are the blue bloods of their uh conference. of their conference i mean come on how how simple can i make it for you i mean they don't have to be in a conference they play enough teams that are in conferences in the power five Year in and year out and enough college football they blue play, bloods. They played Georgia last year. Exactly. They play enough college football blue bloods that they don't have to be in a conference. They do that they're not in a conference because they have a deal with NBC that's, you know, televises all their games. They don't have to have the revenue from the conference nope. in football because they are the, you know, they're still a premier, you know, blue blood college football team. So they don't need to join a conference and there's no reason for them to. And I don't think that any of these athletic directors that think Notre Dame has to join a conference, they don't have to join a conference. They don't have to do anything. I mean, they went 12 and 0 on a schedule where they only played 3 group of 5 teams. You cannot diminish their success like that. You know, I don't care if they got beat 50 to nothing by Clemson. You cannot diminish their success through the regular season. And I want
0: to point out in the the in the Cotton Bowl when Clemson or uh, Notre Dame pressured Trevor Lawrence, he went two for six and seventeen yards.
1: Yep, and they just stopped. They just like did not pressure him most of the night and just let him pick him apart.
0: Uh, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. Uh, but
1: as far as like the game, uh, thinking you know, go. hoping that the game will slow down, I I really don't know if it will. I don't and think it will either. See, the thing is, is the, that's why I love high school ball so much high school ball is still so much about different offenses and x's and O's and different defenses you still see a lot of that old awesome stuff like the 5-2 formation on defense and you know you you even see people you some teams in the nation run still single-wing offenses and Notre Dame box formations and power T you know Johnson high school even ran you know with I forgot what their uh, head coach used to be that, you know, y'all played them y'all senior year. Mm -hmm. Um, He would run power T formation. I thought that was cool. Like he would run wishbone and all that stuff. I love those old formations. And that's why I love high school ball so much is because a lot of these teams that don't have as much speed or anything and can't just come out and shotgun and throw the ball everywhere. They'll line up in these heavy, like wishbone and, Notre Dame box formations and just run the ball, you know, and that's awesome. And I me.
0: appreciate that. That's like I was – you know, when I sent you the highlights of the 2011 Bama-Georgia Southern game. Yeah. That was just awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, I was watching our our high school – or my freshman year, uh, that's what we ran was the – thought we ran the option. That was cool seeing that. Uh,
1: yeah. It's like, you know, we ran the veer at yeah, DAR, the, yeah. And, you know, it's like I remember – we went up against Fairview my junior year, and their game plan was they ran a six-man front to stop us. I just, I think that's cool. Like, I love that. You know, now I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying that I love every game to be six to three, and there's no offense at all. No, because
0: watching the Rams-Chief game, that was probably one of the most, that was probably exciting most exciting yeah. game that I've watched. I mean, it's
1: exciting. But, so I'm not saying that I want every game to be, you know, a field goal to nothing, you know, but... I also, I'm tired of seeing every game has got a basketball score because you cannot play defense anymore. Yeah. The targeting rule, I'm fine with. The targeting rule, I think, is you know, a Protecting, good yeah, overall rule. Players. And the fact that you can go back and review it is a good rule. It, so it's not targeting that I'm worried about at all. I'm worried about pass interference. Pass interference, you cannot touch a receiver without getting pass interference. And it's a, you cannot, and, it cannot look like anything happen on that plate or you get flagged for pass yep. interference. And the even bigger thing that we always talk about in the NFL, it being a spot foul is the most ridiculous thing on the face of the planet because you're stressing because you're making it to where every offense can just say, well, if it's third and 25 here, let's just run a fly out and maybe this corner just be stupid and make a mistake and accidentally tangle his feet up. And then they'll throw the flag and it'll be a spot foul. We'll have it at the one yard line. Yep. That's not well, fair. Not,
0: well, even even in uh, you can go all the way down to high school because when DAR was in the when they hosted the playoff game, it was like fourth and six, and they threw a uh, like a I think it was just all verts uh, to the end zone, and it was like the ball was only to forty, and Will Bailey had the arm to do it, and I told uh, Ryan Van Winkle he was sitting he was sitting with me, and uh, they didn't do. I don't think they did that. I think they like – it wasn't what I had just said. <laughs> but uh, I said, uh, why didn't they just throw – run all verts and throw it in the end zone because a pass interference call would have been a first down.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a first down. And
0: I think that play kind of got them out of the game and then it was on and on from then on out.
1: And that's the thing. Like pass interference being 15-yard penalty and automatic first down is already bad enough. You know, because you give them the automatic first down. I think it should just be a 15-yard penalty, and if it's like third and 25, it just needs to be third and 10. Yep. Um, You know, so that's bad enough that it has to be an automatic first down. But in the NFL, it's atrocious. It is the worst. It should not be a spot foul. That's the worst penalty ever that it's a spot foul. That is ridiculous. And they they need to change that, but nobody ever talks about changing that spot foul rule. That's the worst rule in all sports at this point, is the NFL pass interference rule. And I know why the NFL and why college football are doing all these rules, you know, because they want to see these exciting 50 to 40 games that everybody's viewing. Viewers, viewers, viewers. That's why we sit and have to watch, you know, advertisements all the time. I'm at the point where football is slowed down so much by advertisements that I would rather us, you know, NFL teams just be like soccer teams and just put advertisements on their jerseys because – then we could just watch the game the entire time and not have to worry about, oh well, you know, uh, first down, uh, runs the a, ball gets two yard gain. We're going to go to commercial. We'll be right back. They go to a commercial after every injury. They go to a commercial, you know, on right before the punt on fourth down. They go to an, in, uh, they go to a commercial after the punt on fourth down. They go to a commercial after you kick the field goal. They go to a commercial after you kick the, t- uh, after you score the touchdown before you kick the extra point. Then they come back from commercial kick the extra point and then you go to commercial again i mean it's gotten ridiculous it's gotten absolutely stupid that you got to sit and watch four hours and you're only watching like two hours of football you know really in a four hour time span because of all the commercials you know i'd I'd just rather it be that way at the point but i don't think football slow down because the casual football fans are too caught up in well i i want it to be a you know. 55 to 45 game like you know like uh like jessica's mother is you know like you know we're alabama fans jessica's mother is always like i just want to see a good game and i'm like no i want to see alabama like kill everybody i wanted to be 50 (laughs) uh, 66 to nothing i don't want to i don't want to see alabama compete with anybody i want nobody competing with alabama but um like i don't I don't want to see these exciting games at the cost of the integrity of the sport. No, because like,
0: that's what it's doing. And even with the the CFP, and they talk about expanding, and they probably will expand after this contract is up. Uh, I just it takes away, like you said, the integrity of the sport. And they they play so many games in the high school level. I mean, they play ten games, and then you know they go into the playoffs, and then and in the NFL they do the same thing. So even in the FCS they play a. Sh- yeah, I mean, they absolutely. Play a, a big, you know, a bunch I of mean, they play, games.
1: you know, a bunch, and so I don't. It's like Jason Whitlock said, and I don't agree with Jason Whitlock on much at all, but I really agree with him on this point. College football, especially, is just exploiting, and they're getting more games out of these athletes that they don't pay. And I, and that's I understand true. the, you know, that they get scholarships on one hand; they do get full rides to a lot of these prestigious universities. But on the other hand. When you see how much money college football is making, and the programs are making off these kids, and the school, like in the, the tuition, still the same you know,
0: price, like in the tuitions going up, just
1: and- just a full ride is, you know, when when they're selling jerseys that don't have they don't have your name on them, but it's your number, and everybody knows it's you, and that's what the reason why they're wearing it. Yeah, like the and eight twenty
0: two for- jerseys in the first, you know, the first championship,
1: exactly, and now you got the thirteen jerseys yeah. that are making their ways around. Yeah, that's just worth a regular college education. I mean, think about it, guys. I you mean, can get
0: a regular college education with uh, at a community college and at a local state school. Exactly. Like, and
1: you, I mean, that's the thing. You know, people just say, "Well, they do get paid. They get full rides to college." No, nah,
0: that's not true. Look how much money that, like Texas and Bama, make every year.
1: So I mean, even if, even if your tuition and fees and everything are twenty thousand dollars a year, so. All the money that they make off college football is only worth twenty thousand dollars a year to these kids. Yeah, twenty thousand dollars a year ain't ain't very ain't a whole lot. Now in a state like Alabama, you, you can survive pretty well off twenty thousand dollars a year, especially if you live at home and you're a college student. Yeah, exactly. Um, but all the money that these college football programs and college football in general and the NCAA makes off of college football, and it's only worth twenty grand a year you got some uh, priorities that are messed up there.
0: All right, so do you
1: think Phillip Rivers
0: will be a future Hall of Famer without a ring because at this point I don't think he's going to win one?
1: Um, not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he will be in the Hall of Fame. And the reason being is because he's got the numbers to back it up. Uh, he He's had the numbers um, – He's been a very impressive quarterback over his career. He's
0: got a weird throwing motion. Yeah,
1: he's got one of the oddest throwing motions ever. But he's a
0: local boy, and that's one of the reasons I'm a fan of him. And he's a fierce competitor.
1: Absolutely. He's got the best trash talking in the game. He's one of the lesser quarterbacks. uh, Or There's been lesser quarterbacks that have made the Hall of Fame than him. Um, He'll definitely be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's the first ballot guy. Because that, you know, that lack of a ring is going to hurt him as far as being a first ballot guy. But it doesn't because matter if you're different.
0: a third or a first, you've still got the You still jacket.
1: made it. You know, there's not very many. The proportion of players that have played the, in the NFL compared to Hall of Famers is, it's a huge disproportion. And that's why it meant there's so much like Chris many.
0: Carter and Shannon Sharp.
1: Exactly. I mean, it means a whole lot <clears throat> to those guys. And uh so he'll get his jacket. He just will not get it in the first ballot because he it's not going to be like Drew Brees. You know, Drew Brees is a first ballot guy. He's mm-hmm. a, he's going on there. Peyton Manning the first ballot. Tom f- Peyton Manning first Tom ballot. Tom f- Brady will be a first yep. ballot. You know, Tom Brady. They may not even have a ballot for him. Like they, you know, anybody would be stupid not to vote him on the first ballot. Because um, heck, even Brett Favre was a first ballot Hall of Famer, and for, Brett Favre only has one Super Bowl yeah. ring. Um, and I think I'll, if I remember correctly off the top of my head, he only played in two Super Bowls. He played in '96 and won it. Played in '97 and lost to John Elway. Um, you know, obviously he had a great career. You know, great career as far as throwing for yards and touchdowns, but he also threw a whole lot of interceptions. <laughs> yeah. Three hundred and thirty-six of them that's throughout a lot, his career. That's a lot. of That's picks. a lot of picks. <laughs> but um, excuse me. You know, he will be in the Hall of Fame. He's just not a first ballot Hall of Famer. On the other hand. You know, Drew Brees only has one Super Bowl ring. He is a first ballot guy. People just, people do not understand how great Drew Brees has been over his career.
0: Not to mention the the record that he broke this year, the like the all time leading passer yard. Was it all time passing yards that he I broke? I think
1: something like that. Um, they
0: broke it against the Redskins. And
1: I mean, the guy has thrown. <clears throat> there's not very many people. I think there's only like a few, a handful of people that have thrown for five thousand yards. Drew Brees has done it like four or five times at yeah. this point. Drew Brees is a monster, and he's not very tall. Either. And he's not very tall,
0: and he's very athletic to be playing. You know, he's forty. Tom Brady's forty-one, and the ath—I af- mean, athletically, they are different people. But uh, and the way they've taken care of their bodies is amazing. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, they're they're physically, I think, I think uh, Brees has got the edge on him. Not hot, but. Uh, just the way he moves around and stuff, which yeah. Tom Brady's never been that guy. Like the worst forty time in the combine yeah. ever, and, uh, and it's not a knock at Tom Brady. That's just the way he's he was. Yeah, gifted. absolutely.
1: Yeah, Breeze has always yeah been a little bit more mobile, and um, you know, Breeze has been just an excellent quarterback over his career. Um, but and it's like ben, Big Ben. You know, Big Ben's a first ballot Cam, guy yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. You know, like not everybody has to be has to have a ring to be a first ballot guy. Randy Moss doesn't have a ring you know and but he's like the I second second he greatest is receiver. so if if there wasn't a guy named Jerry Rice that existed, Randy Moss would be the greatest yep. of all time. Uh Randy Moss it was incredible. Um that and that's why he got in. You know, right off the bat. Uh Chris Carter doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. But Chris Carter was incredible. Yep. Now I don't know and I don't remember if Chris Carter was a first ballot guy either, but you know um, Philip Rivers won't be a first ballot guy just because he doesn't have that ring. He's not going to get the afforded that like Ben Roethlisberger is. But then again, Eli Manning has two rings and he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer because mm-hmm. he's just he's not even been anywhere near it. You know, he just he just happened upon you know. Two seasons where they just happened to win it. I mean, I don't, there's not even really an explanation for the Giants' two Super Bowl wins under Eli. There's just, there's not an explanation for it.
0: Probably just like how the Bama 15 and 0 teams will never happen. Probably will never (laughs) be another 17 and 0 team.
1: Exactly. So, you know, um, yeah, at the end of the day, Rivers will be in the Hall of Fame one day. He will not be a first ballot guy, though, just because lacking that ring is going to hurt him. Speaking of Hall of Fame, Bama Hall of Fame. Jalen Hurts to OU. Jalen Hurts to OU. Um, It's a good decision for him. I don't like OU, so I really wish he would have went somewhere else. But 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 I do have to cheer for him regardless.
0: He's done so much for the program. He's just
1: Lincoln Riley will know what to do with him. He's absolutely. not. It's not. He's not going to turn him into a guy that's going to throw for fifty touchdowns. I can almost promise you that. Mm-hmm. But they will maneuver him offensively in such a way where he will have a great year.
0: And and two like he's going to. He wants to play at the next level, so he's doing everything he can to make himself a better thrower. Yeah, and obviously, definitely. going to Oklahoma was. I mean, you've you've taken two transfer quarterbacks that were six feet and under.
1: <laughs> and turned him into Heisman you know, Trophy w- and two winners. had two
0: arguably the best college football seasons ever, Exactly. back to back years. Absolutely. So I and into the way Jalen, the personality Jalen has, and in that whole locker room will will you know congregate. Around Absolutely.
1: Him. And I mean he's a you know he is a great dude. I mean there, but everybody says that. I mean everybody knows that. You know Auburn fans cheer for Jalen Hurts. That's how Tennessee that's
0: how, fans and Tennessee fans. I mean that's how
1: popular and. Likeable, this guy is, and he couldn't. But have the thing him. is, is at the same time, you know, not to take anything away from Jalen, but Tua is every bit as high character guy oh, as Jalen is, absolutely. And so that's what irritates me. That every, I, I understand that everybody loves Jalen. I love Jalen, you know. But this whole we're gonna regret losing him, and Tua just it has all of a sudden become awful to Alabama fans. It's sickening, and it, it, it tears my stomach up having to hear some of the stuff that these stupid Alabama fans have to say on, you know, when Saturdays down south, the Alabama Crimson Tide page posts something, they're Mm -hmm. always like, well, we're going to regret losing Jalen because – Tua just don't know what – yeah, Tua obviously don't know what he's doing. You know, 48 total touchdowns this entire year. You know, he obviously doesn't know As a first-year starter. As a first-year starter, he obviously doesn't know what he's doing. He obviously didn't come in and win us the national championship game last year. Yeah, and he know.
0: obviously was the number one uh, dual threat quarterback in his class coming out of high school yeah. and broke Marcus Mariota's I mean, records at, in Hawaii.
1: I mean, before we cut this thing off, I'm just going to let everybody know. I don't care if it's just been one year and, you know, a small sample size from his freshman year. Tua already is the greatest quarterback that's ever played at Alabama by college uh, accolades. I mean, he are he has blown up any records passing wise and total touchdown and total yards wise that Alabama's ever seen because Jalen Hurts owned the records and Tua destroyed them. I mean, twelve more. He had twelve more touchdowns than Jalen Hurts had. You know, total touchdowns than Jalen Hurts had as a uh, I think as a well... Be a sophomore. Th- no, I think he was a true freshman when he had 36 total touchdowns. Uh, Jalen Hurts had them in t- 2016. Um, and Tua in his first year of starting shatters that by 12 touchdowns. Um, you know, the total yards record was Blake Sims. Mm-hmm. You know, he had some, somewhere a little bit north of 3,800. Tua had well over 4,000 total yards this year. Tua has shattered. I mean, he Tua either... Either set or was close to setting that uh, the quarterback rating record, which was in the 200s, which is just was unheard of 10 years ago. I mean, Tua is that guy. I mean, he is special. I mean, a special talent and a special Trent guy. Dilford
0: said he was special.
1: And he's the best. I mean, he's the best quarterback. And
0: had he not got hurt, Trent Dilford would have been correct with him winning a husband.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, and nobody can say for sure that Tua will just be drafted and become, you know, a stud in the NFL. Nobody can say that for sure because it's not happened yet. But listen, already in just one year, Tua is the best quarterback that's ever played at Alabama by college accolades. Yep. You know, I understand that Joe Namath played there. I understand Ken Stabler's played there. Bart Starr. You know, I understand Bart Starr's played there. But the game was different. Listen, that and it's g-
0: unfair to put those players in today's game and and vice exactly. versa.
1: But by accolades, I mean Tua is the best by far.
0: All right, so uh, I was watching uh, it was some like draft day, special with Saquon Barkley and Bradley Chubb the other day, and it's like an hour long. And by the way, those are two great people, and uh, and it's just it's 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 funny because uh, when Bradley Chubb, this is the next topic, Bradley Chubb had his pro day. Uh, the nfl scouts put him through a workout he did not expect mm. and so uh bill belichick was there and he was like coaching him through these uh workouts and like showing him some moves and stuff uh but it was funny because belichick's like it was nice meeting he's like we're not gonna be able to even get you You're we picked 31 overall but it's nice to meet
1: you <laughs> uh, i love some of those belichick quotes Uh my favorite one is when this girl asked him if he was averse to having a feature back in his office, and he goes, "You mean when Corey Dillon ran for sixteen hundred yards? Would I be against that? Yeah, I don't think so." <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love Belichick. I mean, he is. The- I think he's
1: just hilarious. I mean, it, just his dry humor, and everybody's like, "You know, you played this Manning team like ten times over your career. Is there any like, uh, is there any kind kind of common thread that uh over this time of playing him?" And he goes. I guess Manning. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. I mean, he's the
0: greatest coach, head coach of all time in the NFL. I guess Manning. <laughs> We're on to Cincinnati.
1: I wouldn't say I'm Mona Lisa Vito of the football world. <laughs> I just love him. He's got some quotables if people would just listen to him. They're so scared of him usually that they don't want to laugh. But, man, he says some funny stuff. I plan on when I become a teacher, I'm just going to come in one day like, the day Belichick retires, like, I'm going to come in the next day at school and just uh – I'm going to, in honor of him, just talk like him all day long. Like, I'm just going to show up. I'll go up to my podium and be like, I'm talking like Bill Belichick all day long. So, if, if you, you know, expect me to be louder, you know, sorry if I'm yelling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. I mean, totally.
0: All right. Uh Bama, Clemson. If your son's a D one prospect, who do you tell him to go to?
1: Bama, Clemson. If your son's a D one prospect, who are you telling him to go to? Because um, one's a factory, one's a family. Yeah, and not one's not bad. Over
0: you know, one's not better than the other.
1: They both work. They both are winning lots of uh, lots of games and whatnot. Um, or do you tell him to if go? If I'm, it depends on what kind of parent I am. If I'm wanting, if I'm wanting a definitive shot at the NFL for my kid, I'm telling him to go to Alabama. But if I want him to just, if I want him to be looked after and, you know, respected to the highest order, you know, I'm telling him to go to Clemson, honestly. Because I know, you know, as great as Nick Saban is, and, you know, I love Nick Saban. He's a blessing for Alabama. But, you know, Nick Saban is not, I mean, he's not the nicest dude when it comes to some of those guys that aren't, you know, super talented. I know how he was with, uh you know, some guys that, Ended up playing down there, and he, I mean, now he tells him like it is. I mean, he's being honest with him. But you know, I know some guys that he's told he's like, you're not, you're not gonna play here. I mean, he's like, you know, you're just not gonna play. Now you got a spot as a graduate analyst, you know, on the on the staff whenever you get done graduating or whatever. But he'll tell you like it is. He's like, you're not gonna play. But you know, Clemson, Dabo Swinney. Now, he, he probably does the same thing in a way, but it feels like he's just nicer about everything. And so, yeah, if you want your kid just to, you know, if you want to feel like your kid's being looked after, like, you know, like he's got a second dad, you might want to send him to Clemson. But, you know, if you want him to have a definitive shot at the NFL and def, you know definitely become the best at his position and compete with the best people at his position that he's going to compete with and uh, – Learn how to become a man, pretty much anyway. And then you send them to Alabama as well, because Nick Saban will will definitely achieve that.
0: All right. So, uh there's a video the other day I was watching. It was and I've watched it several times, and it just happened to pop up on like the next feed, like uh, the next play. Uh, it is Joel Clatt and uh, Colin Coward after Bam won the championship last year. Yeah. And Colin makes this like noise in this video and I just wanted you to hear it and I wanted the audience to hear it as well and I'm gonna play it now. <laughs> All right, so it might be like ten seconds of this of this, but it's it's Joel Clack and Colin Coward uh on the herd and they're talking about the the game the night before when Bama won the natty, so just take a listen. Games. It's in, and now they have Friday night games, which are trap games. Yeah, a lot of can, those weeknight games. Okay, can you can you explain this to me? How in the gay g- did that guy get so <laughs> okay. open? Okay, you're a former college quarterback.
1: Yeah. I'm watching that play and I'm. <laughs> <laughs> how in the gate, g- <laughs> I don't know how I, mean, how I haven't seen you, you that before, but. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Joe Rogan saying he got a freaking serious problem, bro.
0: (laughs) He was referring Uh. He he was referring to uh, when Devontae Smith got open and Tua hit him for the the touchdown (laughs) and how that that safety had started so many games. Good god. It's almost like the the playoffs thing with the (laughs) playoffs?
1: Playoffs? (laughs) With Jim Mora. You talking about playoffs? Yeah. My favorite thing with Jim Moore though was the diddly poo thing. He goes what happened was we got our ass kicked. Well, we didn't do diddly poo offensively. <laughs> he was like we couldn't even run the ball. We sucked. He was like every time they went the got the ball they went down and scored points. It was an absolute horse crap performance.
0: <laughs> it's like the 20 or the national championship game this year. All right, um predictions for NSC AOC Championship game this weekend. All right, let's carry it out and with then,
1: this uh, this old deal. This uh this episode will run a lot longer than probably the other ones that are subsequent. But you know you got to kick it off with the you got to kick it off with you know we got to at least show gotta, our knowledge. You got to cl- yeah show the knowledge and got to clear out you know all the biases that we have and got to clear out you know make sure everybody knows where we stand on certain things. So predictions for NFC Championship games that are tomorrow: Rams Saints. I'm going with the Saints on this one. Um, I don't like the Rams' rush defense against Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Um, and I just – I like Sean McVay, and I think he is, you know, a great head coach. He's one of the best in the league, even though he's only in his second year. Um, but it feels like he's going to get incrementally better in the playoffs. I just don't think that he can and get by. And, 2 they're playing in New Orleans. They're playing in the Superdome. Um Somebody brought up a stat: in the last five years, uh, home teams are undefeated. Yeah, in the, in no, the they're 10 and 0. in the yeah in the championship games. So um, I got to go with New Orleans on this one.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Jared Goff is great, and apparently the Rams could run the ball. Who knew? Like last week yeah. when they just demolished the yeah, Cowboys. Yeah, it was strange
1: that C.J. Anderson was on the street. I always thought he was a very serviceable running back, but you know, I the butterball. Yeah, the butterball. But I think the Saints will win, too. Uh, Steve
0: Steve Smith Jr. said today on the NFL Network, he was like, they're making, like, because it's a blood moon tomorrow night, so they're talking about weird things that will happen. He made this, like, crazy prediction, like, five to seven uh, Saints, I think.
1: Oh, wow. Hey,
0: he – Obviously, he's not being serious, <laughs> yeah. but he's like, if that happens, I'm winning the lottery. I'm buying a lottery ticket because I'm going to win it because that just happened. And then I'm going to come on the show naked and walk <laughs> like Eli Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, I so I I got to go with the Saints on that one. I think that the Rams will be a team that will compete. I just think the Saints for are, years are more to come.
0: Com- I think the Saints are a more complete team right the Saints now.
1: Saints are more complete. They're they're. They're a team that maybe doesn't have as many mega stars on their team, but they're a team that just plays. Well, complete. they got
0: two good backs, and, and then, and then they got a Thomas. legend at quarterback. Michael Thomas is like catching every ball.
1: Michael and, Thomas, probably a top five receiver in the league, definitely a top ten, possibly top five. You know, if um, the Saints
0: hold, if the not the Saints, the Rams hold Michael Thomas to like fifty yards or something, yeah, they, it they, may
1: get bad for the Saints then. Uh, but, but if they can't. But, yeah, if I, if Michael Thomas gets over 50 yards receiving and Alvin Kamara gets over, uh you know, 50 yards rushing and 50 yards receiving, it's going to be a bad game and for, the, the for the Rams.
0: Joseph Smith. Um,
1: yeah, no, the, the Joseph Smith army knife. Yeah, uh, um, Taysom, Taysom, Taysom Hill. Hill. And I meant to say, because uh, Joseph Smith wasn't in the Utah War, uh, I meant to say the Brigham Young uh the Brigham Young Army Knife, because Brigham Young was, I think, technically in the Utah War, but um, <laughs> so I meant to say Brigham Young Army Knife, but yeah, the 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 Mormon Army Knife. Uh, I like watching Taysom, Taysom Hill play. Hill. Hey, it's I mean, this is a cool player. I mean, he's the fastest white guy ever. You know? He runs
0: like a four four or I four. Mean, he's three. very fast and he's and he, big too. Yeah, and he like he plays everything. Like he's bought kicks.
1: You know, he was awesome when he was at BYU. He was really a running threat that kinda could throw the ball at times at quarterback, but he just he used to get hurt with his knees would just die on him.
0: He said something the other day and like they were like how could you say that the the post was? How could you say this with a straight face? And he's like, "When I played at BYU, yo know, the and he like caught himself and was trying not to laugh." Yeah. but He's like, "When I played at BYU, you know the defenses they kind of uh, helped uh me and yeah. you know, see what we see in the NFL." And everybody's like, "How can you say that?"
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I got to go with the Saints in that one. As far yeah. as Chiefs, Patriots. I don't want to do it because I just feel like it's going to backfire against me, but I cannot bet against the Chiefs at this point. And the reason being is because I understand Tom Brady's greatness, but you're in Arrowhead Stadium. I understand Andy Reid's playoff, you know, I, but I feel more like the Saints and Chiefs go and play in the Super Bowl and Andy Reid just chokes in the Super Bowl well, again. And I don't feel and, like he chokes in the playoffs. Well, MVP
0: winners always lose the Super Bowl, so –
1: Exactly, so you I'm, know, I'm
0: picking the Chiefs, but if the Patriots win, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't definitely be surprised if the Patriots won because I did not expect them to do what know, they did to San Diego the, last. The week. Patriots survived the Chiefs at home this year, barely, barely. The Chiefs have them in Arrowhead Stadium. It's going to be super cold. A defense that's not very good. Patrick Mahomes and a team that actually, unlike. The Chargers, who just really had Joey Bosa to rush because they just did, they're decimated. I mean, they're decimated by injuries at this point in the year. Uh, Unlike them, the Chiefs have. Not a very good defense overall. You they're, know, they're playing a, a better in the defense, back end of the but season. they've been
0: playing better. Chris Jones is like the I think but the lead Chris sack Jones leader. Chris
1: Jones is a I mean he's been dominating. He's got a sack year. in every game this year. And Justin Houston's still got a step in him left. He's still a good football you player. Yeah, Reggie Ragland. D Ford is a good outside rusher. Got used to play at Auburn. A uh, good outside rusher. He's been coming on definitely. You know he's he's always been good, but you know he's you know when he's healthy, you know, and he's been coming on this year. Uh, Chris Jones has been awesome. He a guy from Mississippi State, yep. you know. Um, he's been awesome, and Eric Barry's back in that lineup, you know. Eric Barry. So
0: they did activate him. You,
1: yeah, he should he should be playing in this game, and because they've because I think he's been back for a few weeks, and that's why this defense has picked up. Is Eric Barry, man? I I, don't think I remember he, when he played at Tennessee. I don't man. think he, he played last. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I don't think he played last week.
1: No, he may not have, but. Um, you know, if Eric, Eric Barry is back in that game, then it's, you know, and they Raul. have an interior pass he, rusher yes. from Chris Jones. They got an exterior, uh, you know, uh, outside pass rush from D Ford, and Justin Houston still got a step to get on the outside. think, if I'm not mistaken, Tamba Holly still plays there, and he's still got a few snaps left in him. Um, you know, so they can actually get after Tom Brady. They probably still won't because, you know, Tom Brady never gets friggin' sacked. Don't but, know how it happens. Um you know, and they strip
0: sacked him earlier when they played earlier this year in Week Six.
1: Yeah, uh, and so and then you got on offense. They've got a, de- I mean, a, a decent offensive line. They're not like super talented. Well, but this Damian Williams guys come on at running back. Yes, he you has. Know, uh, and you they know,
0: activated another running running back this week. Maybe it was Damian.
1: Well, Damian Williams wasn't hurt, so they uh, activated another running back. Could have been. Uh, Spencer Ware may be back from injury. I, I don't know. I think they if,
0: activated him.
1: Uh, Spencer Ware's always been pretty decent. But, you know, you got Patty Mahomes, who's just – he's dominated this year. Absolutely dominated. I mean, over 5,000 yards in his first true year of starting. 50 touchdowns. Man, he's been awesome. And that's in
0: the regular season.
1: Honest. Yeah, absolutely. And – uh He'll you win know, the MVP. Travis Kelsey at tight end is going to be a guy that's going to be hard for the Patriots to cover, but they're also they may double him.
0: Well, t- well, if you do that, then you're taking away men from Tyreek Hill. Do you leave Tyreek Hill open? Do you leave, leave Tyreek Hill open? Sammy Watkins. And if
1: Sammy Watkins is healthy. He's they, he, 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 he's he, dangerous when he's healthy. He's a number he's three, fast. and he would be a number one on most teams. Exactly. If he was he- if he's he- was healthy and he didn't get hurt, you know, every time he looks the wrong way. I mean he would be a number 1 on you know the bottom half of the league, he would be a number 1 receiver. On and then a lot you of those have the Arrowhead crowd
0: acting And as then you got
1: Arrowhead, you know, Arrowhead is a, just a different place to play. I mean, it's a tough place to play, but um, I love that chant. Yeah, absolutely. North Jackson
0: um, used to do it every time they destroy us. So,
1: you know, I hate going I hate going that way cuz I just I feel like I've Every time I try to pick somebody to beat the Patriots, Patriots just end up disappointing me again by winning. But this
0: is by far the worst Patriots team I think under Belichick. They've
1: it's yeah the it's been the first
0: five lost team I believe.
1: I mean, it's been a good while since Patriots have not have been this bad. And my thing was, I was like, if the Patriots get the home field throughout the entire playoffs, they'll go back to the Super Bowl. But I was like, if the Patriots don't get home field and the Chiefs get home field throughout the playoffs and they end up playing each other, I don't think the Patriots will get by the Chiefs a second time because it's like uh, Mr. Hunter Holland always used to say, it's hard to beat a good team twice in the same season. Yes, it is.
0: So, and a team that should have beat you, they just ran out of time. Yeah,
1: they just ran out of time. So
0: And Pat only really made one bad decision that entire game. And I think the the I think if there are two picks, the, and the second one that uh, wasn't – I think one of them wasn't his fault.
1: Yeah, so – Got to go with them. Got to go with the Chiefs I th- in this one. I
0: think the Chiefs will win. Uh, but if- And
1: then if they go to the Super Bowl, I will honestly say, as much as I like the Chiefs, if Chiefs and Saints go to the Super Bowl like we predicted, the Saints will win the Super Bowl. And the reason being is because it's just an Andy Reid thing. He's always been a great head coach. He's never really won the big one. So, if they go and play each other in the Super Bowl, I think the Saints will pull it out. I'm betting, the again,
0: I'm, I'm with you. But the reason I'm choosing that is because I just – Unfortunately, the MVP never wins the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, it's just – you know, I mean, so, Sometimes that superstitious stuff is just is realistic in football. Like another thing that I want to talk about real quick is the lack of – we talk about quarterbacks needing to be these super big, tall guys. There is not – the quarterbacks that are 6'6 six, six and over, the list of – like 6'6 six, six and over throughout like – throughout even just like since 2000. That have, just, that have won a Super Bowl, Joe Flacco is like the only one. So th- I, it raises a point. Is they're too tall at quarterback? And I think there is. I think 6'6 six, six and above is too tall at quarterback. And somebody said that scientifically their releases end up getting a lot longer because they're so tall, arms are so long, that their releases end up just being longer. And those releases just end up, you know, everybody's able to break on that ball in the NFL. And then everybody's like, well, how is a six six quarterback, you know, and over, you know, just all of a sudden spell doom? But six five quarterbacks like Peyton Manning and Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger have all been excellent. the sweet spot. You know, it might it might be the sweet spot. You know, it it's just there's a there's some superstitious stuff in football like sixty percent in college. You know, if you ain't throwing sixty percent in college, I don't believe that you can be an NFL. Well, until you,
0: you can go back to the Heisman winners in the in college, like. The only three that I can think of that have won the Heisman and won a national championship is Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, and James Winston.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, since – The modern – like the yeah, the 2000s. Yeah. Tim Tebow the won the Heisman.
0: Times. They lost their bowl game that year. Yep. Troy Smith won the Heisman. They won, lost the national championship.
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, Sam Bradford, they lost to Tim Tebow in 2008. Uh, Cam Newton.
0: Cam Newton, yeah. Cam
1: Newton won it. Uh Robert Griffin the third, they weren't even <laughs> I mean I think they, they lost their bowl game. They were ten and three. Now they won the bowl really game. they did. Uh but they just I mean they were ten and three, so they weren't really competing for a national title. Uh Johnny Manziel wasn't competing for a national title. Marcus Mariota lost. Yep. Um twenty fifteen.
0: Uh that was Derrick Henry.
1: Derrick Henry 2016, won it. twenty sixteen Lamar Jackson won it. They weren't competing for the but title. they
0: lost to LSU. Yeah. Um
1: twenty seventeen Baker Mayfield won it. They, they lost. lost. And in 2018, Murray wins it. They lost. Um, and before Troy Smith, uh, 05, Reggie Bush, they lost. 04, Matt Leinert, they won. Um, 03, Jason White from Oklahoma won it in 03, and they lost to LSU. Mm-hmm. 02, Carson Palmer from USC won it, and I don't even think they competed for the national title that year. Um, I could go back even further, but, it, you know, there's not a whole lot of Heisman Trophy guys – Especially with it being such a quarterback award, they just don't end up winning it.
0: Well the well the last two not I mean the only two uh non quarterbacks were uh
1: Mark Ingram and Derek Henry. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. So
0: But uh, that's the end of our podcast. Uh sorry it went on so long. Uh I don't Yeah, if you to-
1: made it this far and listened to all of it, man, we I really appreciate it and hope you enjoyed it and Uh, We'll be back very soon. I mean, Super Bowl will be, you know, two weeks from uh, tomorrow. So, you know, who knows? We may have a Super Bowl special.
0: So, uh, thanks for tuning in for the first episode. This is Clint signing off.
1: And this is Nathan signing off.
0: And this is uh, the Tennessee Valley Football Podcast. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you, guys.